Neşhedü en la ilahe illallah vehdehu la şerike lehu. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Elhamdülillahi valiyel kerim. Ve sallallahu ala enbiya ecma'in vel mesih vel mahsi vel mücedde lemen mursalim. Ama ben. Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that he is alone and has no part. And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujadda, the reformer. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. and start to read, we're going to see about a certain point in the history of the Bible where supernatural beings, as they're called, came down to earth and went into women and gave birth to special children. And these people mixed amongst the children of earth. And a lot of them are thought to be crazy and derelict because they just cannot adjust now that man is on this new evolutionary stage of consciousness those beings are thought to be nothing, and it's sad. Now, if you read it, it says, Genesis chapter 6, And it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of man that they were fair. And they took them, wives of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always start with men, for he is but flesh, and his journey shall be a hundred and twenty. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, what happened? The sons of God came in under the door of the men, and they bore them what? Children. Right? They brought children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, the men of renown. In the Quran is Awali, the ancients of days, for the 24 elders who came down and mixed with women. So there are mortals walking the earth who have, who are sons of God, women or men, and they are thought to be nuts because they cannot adjust to this system. They cannot adjust to society. Understand? The Bible is teaching this. Now, if you want to call me crazy, I'll... I don't mind. I'm in good company. But a, but a lot of people have never been told about this section in the Bible, right in Genesis, where it tells you that certain beings from heaven came down and mingled amongst women. The same way the angel Gabriel came down and mingled with Mary and gave birth to Jesus. Well, these beings have the same powers of Jesus. They're Christ-like. But they don't know it because they've been living amongst mortals so long that they have lost their destiny. And we are here to claim them. 
They are our beings. They must be taken home. We are here to claim them. But we can't because they're so scattered and lost. And they're so afraid of us. They won't sit with us. They'll sit with men and sup with men. We're putting information out because it will stimulate certain senses in them that will make them realize that they belong here. Then they'll be taught and they'll make the transition out of here. Because man on earth is about to destroy himself. And it's sad that you sons of Adam are going to suffer while this demon destroys the world that you live in and lets you garb yourself right in white and learn to be amongst the 144,000 so that you can be taken up for a thousand years to be groomed while the devil is cast into the lower part of the earth for a thousand years and then you come back to a new earth. You want to read about it? Open your Bible to Revelation. Revelation 21. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the said mothership. And I'm not talking about the small mothership that have ships that come around that they see. The big one is called the crystal city. It's mentioned in this Quran and the Torah. Here it is right in the Bible. Called the New Jerusalem. And I, John, saw the holy city. We call it Darul Islam in the Quran. The abode of peace. I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, doing what? Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That means the ship is ready for all of those down in the white, in the garb of righteousness, to be taken. And I heard a great voice out of heaven crying, Behold the tabernacle of God. Look at the tabernacle of God. It's with man, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's why I told you, don't fear. And there shall be no more death, because you'll have eternal life. We do not die in our bones. We've surpassed death. That's why I say I was around 76 years. The ability to incarnate is something that you'll learn too. We don't have death. Neither do we have sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. We don't suffer sicknesses or diseases. For the former things, all this wickedness and sickness and disease will be then passed away. Number five. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things what? No. As he said unto me, Right. For these words are true and faithful. He wanted John to write this stuff down. This is what I'm reading to you. And he said unto me, it is done. It's over. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of the word of life. That means those people who are thirsty, they will be quenched. Seven. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my life. My son, like I said, the first of a stage of being Christian, Jew, Muslim, and then you move on if you're ready to become a son of God. 
O son of Allah. And in the Holy Quran, when it says a lot of not have any sons, it's using the word walid, not heaven. It means he did not conceive any children. Okay? Number eight. But the fearful, and that's why I told you don't fear because you won't make it. But the fearful and unbelieving, the Catholic, and the abominable, people living in abominations, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and the sorcerers with the astrology, and the idols with their idols, and the liars who lie about Allah, and the deeds, shall have their part in the lake, which is what? Burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What is the second death? Meaning that once man dies, the Quran says that Allah will raise him to life again to be judged. Certain men will stay into eternal life and others will be cast back into death, into hell. That's the second death. I repeat, once man dies, then he is raised to life again, the resurrection. Others will rise in the resurrection of eternal life and others will be condemned back to death and hell. Number nine, and there came unto me one of the seven angels, and y'all know who the seven archangels are, which had the seven vows, for the seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come up hither, come hither, come up. I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife, talking about the city. Tell John, come up, I'm going to show you a glorious city. And he carried me away in the what? In the spirit. He carried me away in the spirit to a what? To a great and high mountain. And show me what? Show me that great city, that holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. This is that ship that's above y'all. Believe me or not, I don't care, you'll find out anyway. <laughs> Number 11, having the glory of God and her life was like unto a stone of precious most precious, was called to Crystal City, because like a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as what? Crystal. And had a wall, great and high. It has to stay closed in the door that pillars in it. It has twelve gates. And at the gates, twelve angels. Half of twenty-four. See that a cherubim to protect the gate to keep man from entering the city. And at the gates, twelve angels, and the names are written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Each one of these angels symbolize one of the tribes of Israel, which is that by Ezekiel 48, 31, and 34, if you have time to read that later. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city has twelve foundations. They are describing a ship. Assalamu alaikum. Um, when it speak of in the book of Revelation 20 verse 4, about the thousand year period, is that of the same duration of our days? Read the section you're talking about. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of Allah, 
and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And the question is, brother? You know, uh, the question is, uh, is those days, a thousand years, is of the same duration of our days that we live? Yes. Yes, they are, but in this respect, when they say lived and reigned, you're talking about the Marillion, lived and reigned with Messiah for a thousand years, they mean not here. They mean in the Crystal City. What they speak about is a new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven, having 20 and four elders surrounding it. That is an actual, what you might call, space station from here. That's a crystal city in the Quran referred to as Darul Islam, the abode of peace. Darul Islam in the Quran is not on earth. You follow? And so mm -hmm. now, yes, these 144,000 will be lifted from earth, taken up like the scripture says, Isa Maryam went up, and Rasulullah Muhammad went up in the Isra, and Ilyas went up, and Enoch or Idris went up. Mm -hmm. These elders, these 23 elders, will take 144,000 perfect beings here up, and they will reside in the Crystal City for a thousand years to be taught by what you refer to as extraterrestrials or the masters who have been visiting the pyramids for thousands of years. And that thousand-year period can be a duration of either a thousand by your time or a thousand by their time. By that I mean when you break the speed of light, which is necessary to get out of Earth's atmosphere, we know light travels 186,272 feet per second. Mm -hmm. When you break the speed of light, time starts to slow up at a certain point. So to travel intergalactically from one part of the galaxy to the next, you would not lose a second. In fact, you can become younger when you arrive there. The same way you can travel from one side of your planet to the next and be behind time. You can leave on Thursday and arrive there on Wednesday the same week. You follow? Mm -hmm. That's because of time belt here. That's one law of time. There, galactically, the solar system has a time belt by distance. When you break a certain speed, then you reverse in time. Meaning that when Nabi Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, Moses, mm -hmm. left from Mount Moriah with the aid of the angels and went on to Malakut, which is referred to in the Quran as the heavens, the west of Allah. When he went there, by the time he got to the other side, he was the same exact age, one day, which would have taken a thousand years of earth time to get that far. Because, like I said, light travels at 186,272 feet per second. Right. And a light year there with times 365 would be 5 trillion miles away. This particular galaxy alone, Kira, to another side, it can take a thousand years of your time. Which means Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, would have became a thousand years old by the time he got to the destination. You see? Mm -hmm. But when he breaks speed, when he arrives, he's the exact same age. When he returned, him and Elijah, to Jesus... To meet him, they were still the same age, though Elijah had left over 4,000 years before him, and Moses another 4,000 and came back at Jesus' time another two. You see what I'm saying? So there's a time belt. It depends on where you are. And I chose you because I'll give you a perfect example. If you look from Seattle, Washington to Florida, the higher you get, the smaller it becomes until it moves from 
miles to yards to inches to fractions of an inch until the United States becomes a dot. Mm -hmm. So the distance it would take mentally to travel from Seattle, Washington to Florida is, is less than a second. Then the higher you go, it's so short the distance that you can't conceive it because you merely see a dot. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So there's different time belts depending on which angle you're looking from. So the answer to your question is, like it says in the scripture, a thousand years could be one day and one day could be like under a thousand years. It depends on where that spirit is going. And now in the view of these children, they're talking about a thousand year period, which will give y'all the seven thousand year. Because the devil's reign is up in the six thousand year which is really the 2,000th year of this new form calendar that he made because from canon of the Torah down to Isa el-Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, was 4,000 years, you see? Mm -hmm. And then Jesus the Messiah became the year one, which is an obvious contradiction because they say 1 B.C., and then number two is 2 AD. So either Jesus died at the age of two or somebody made a mistake in their calendar. Because if it's BC before Christ and then AD, Anno Dominus, after Christ on two, then there's something wrong. Okay? Mm -hmm. But let's move on. At number one, the year one started one of the new Christian calendar. With 4,000 years added on that, we'd now be in the year 5,000. Right? Right. 987, correct? Yes. Leaving us how much before 2,000? Uh, how much before 6,000, for that matter? Now listen, if this is 1,987 uh, year, yeah. right? How many more would make it 2,000? 13. That's right. Yeah. So now... You are at the end of the devil's 2,000 year, which is equivalent to 6,000 year from his Adam. And his Adam was canon in Noah's time with the one with the curse of leprosy, which made him albino or white in complexion, as found in the books of Leviticus 13 and 14 when they received the curse. Mm -hmm. His rule is up. Like Elijah Muhammad was telling people, his rule is up in the year 6,000, which starts... 1,000 before the seventh day of creation is complete. Can you understand that? Understand. Which gives you one more thousand year to prepare before the time allotted to humane beings is through. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. Shukran. Um, you said black people didn't have um, souls.
for the moment. The stimulant is individual. If 50 people in the room taking the drugs, each one becomes an individual. We have now become like the devil, attracted to our individualism, and lost our tribal and community environment. We have grown to a tribal people, and that means that when new people are in that, like in that room out there, in the newcomers class, there's people there sitting there that don't even look at each other. When they interact with each other emotionally, they'll come in this class and sit away from 1 o'clock until 6, and those at the end of the class walk up and say, well, because we all have the same interests for the fact that we're here, what's your name? My name is this, and I'm reading such and such a book, and so and so, what do you know that? They will begin to react and communicate and help each other. Everybody sitting there is individual. They will have a job right now that they can't possess to either convince themselves to come in or wait for them to stay with their mother's side so they don't have to come in. As long as they are sitting here hoping one thing he can't answer. You will never find that the question he can't answer. I've been doing this for more years than your great grandmothers were born. And I've been asked every question you all can imagine. So if you came here to hope I can't answer the question, you're in for a big letdown. So you finally look at the bed. Thank you. 
So I don't, I don't have to agree with your philosophy to respect you. I can respect you for who you are without agreeing with everything you teach. You understand what I'm trying to say? So I respect uh, Malcolm X as the articulate speaker he was and about his, his, his initial goals to help black people. I respect that. And I will teach my sons about that part of his nature. I'm not going to go into how he went bad in that class. That's of adults who know better. You understand what I'm saying? So the white man will eliminate all of our black people. He made Malcolm X look bad to the nation of Islam. And he made the homologous father look bad to the people who followed Malcolm X. So what happens in the long run, two black images are pulled down and another white image. They'll never take them based on seven dollar bills of their leaders. But they think out of way by the time one of our black leaders leave for us always to dislike it and pull his picture down. So that we don't have no black images. But they will keep they got people on the dollar bill that's been on there for George Washington, Abraham Lincoln and and these guys, you know They will keep their images in our minds for superiority purposes. So that's why I'll keep that picture on the wall. But I will teach them about the good things that Malcolm X said did. And when he got weak and fell victim to the devil, that can happen to anybody. Understand my feelings in that way. That's the baby stage of it. So, and females can go into that? There's no difference between a male and a female in a large site. On the inner side of men who want to keep women feeling that they're some kind of form of inferiority. In the spiritual realm, women are just as great as men. Because I know I spoke to uh, certain people, I said certain things, I was saying certain things, I felt like everybody feels that way. But I Probably with some males. Yeah. Well, oh, you got to front. The men don't want to think of y'all as better than them or, or as equal as them. Because then you'll be able to question their manhood. If you ever peel the skin of manhood off of most of the American black men, you're going to find a naked woman. You know what I'm saying? When you get right down to it, a lot of them are scared. The, the white man has intimidated him, he has castrated them, he has made them, you know, he's, he's taken the best part of the black man away. And he's left nothing but a, a frail woman because we work for the white man, we work under him, we yes sir him, we no sir him, we ain't number women. And then when our women get mad, go marry the white man, we get mad. Why is that sister walking with a white man? Because average black man is mild and showing his teeth. You understand? And if a nation of men like ourselves were caught trying to become self trying to identify with our blackness and our heritage, we become some revolutionists or some subversive, and the first thing your mother comes out of my with they're a cult. I'm a cult because I don't want to be bugging my eyes and soft shoeing. I gotta be a cult. You understand what I'm saying? The white man is not satisfied until he has castrated our manhood from us. And your mother and them think they something great when they call us a cult. All they're doing is encouraging me to look like some white boy. So our black men, we got to get ourselves together. We got to make a mark. We got to do something like Uncle Mama said. We got to do for self. We got to build our own. And you got to stop serving that white man. Us not you spies up in there who are sent out here to tap us. You better wake up. Because after they finish using you against me and I'm gone, then they're going to eliminate you. And their whole purpose is to keep Malcolm X down, keep black bandits down, keep young lords down, keep black Muslims down. They don't want us to follow Malcolm X. They don't want us to follow Noble Dwali. They don't want us to follow Sheikh Daoud. They don't want us to follow uh, Amrullah Muhammad. I mean, and that's a serious problem. And every time they call us a cult, you add the next couple of letters on. And what are those letters? Culture. When they say cult, you say you mean culture. <laughs> that group is a cult. You say, no, you mean a culture. Because we are affiliated with a people who have been there for thousands of years. This ain't no cult made up in America. This is the custom, the dress, the dance, the marriage ceremony, the birth ceremony, the language, everything your daughter, the ancestors are, has castrated them. He has made them, you know, he's very hard. In the spiritual realm, women are just as great as men. 
fight with some male. Yeah. Or you got a plunge. The men don't want to think of y'all as better than them or, or as equal as them. Because then you'll be able to question that man. If you ever feel the skin of a man off of most of the American black men, you're going to find a naked woman. You know what I'm saying? When you get right down to it, a lot of them are scared. The, the white man has intimidated him. He has castrated them. He has made them, you know, he's, he's taking the best part of the black man away. And he's left nothing but a, a frail woman because we work for the white man. We work under him. We yes sir him. We no sir him. We ain't nothing but women. And then when our women get mad, go marry the white man, we get mad. Why is that sister walking with a white man? Because out of black man is and showing his teeth. You understand? And if a nation of men like ourselves were caught trying to become self trying to identify with our blackness and our heritage, we become some revolutionists or some subversive, and the first thing your mother comes out of my window, they're a cult. I'm a cult because I don't want to be bugging my eyes and soft-shoeing. I got to be a cult. You understand what I'm trying to say? So the white man is not satisfied until he has castrated our manhood from us. And your mother and them think they say something great when they call us a cult. All they're doing is encouraging me to look like some white boy. So our black men, we got to get ourselves together. We got to make a mark. We got to do something. Like unlike mama said, we got to do for self. We got to build our own. And you got to stop serving that white man. I'm about to spies up in there who are sent out here to tap us. You better wake up. Because after they finish using you against me and I'm gone, then they're going to eliminate you. And their whole purpose is to keep Malcolm X down, keep black Panthers down, keep young lords down, keep black Muslims down. They don't want us to follow Malcolm X. They don't want us to follow Noble Dwali. They don't want us to follow Sheikh Daoud. They don't want us to follow uh, Amulak Muhammad. I mean, and that's the serious problem. And every time they call us a cult, you add the next couple of letters on. And what are those letters? Culture. When they say cult, you say you mean culture. <laughs> that group is a cult. You say, no, you mean a culture. Because we are affiliated with a people who have been there for thousands of years. This ain't no cult made up in America. This is the custom, the dress, the dance, the marriage ceremony, the birth ceremony, the language, everything you're taught in the Ansarlah has existed before Billy Graham and all these Christian preachers came about this organization thriving. That we're not no cult, we are a culture. And the white man don't want a black man to have any culture except what he taught him. And that's the Ben Marinites. And I ain't gonna be no Sammy Davis Jr. for nobody. Now, I'm gonna sound crazy to you because you like straightening your hair and then talk about you black. I'm black, I'm with black people. What they got to do with me having straightening comb in my hair? That's to do with the fact that you see yourself as ugly when you straighten your hair. When you straighten your nose, it means that you see your, uh, your hair. Well, I, my hair is too thick to comb. Who you fooling? Your hair is too thick to comb. That ain't for me. That's the white. You want to look white. Let's be for real. And if you get mad at me, I'm sorry. I'm going to call it as I see it. You want to be white. There's no such thing as my hair is too thick to comb. Then braid it. That takes too much time. Then say you're lazy. Then don't take That's too hard to take care of. You know what I'm saying? All time, I, I heard black people say, when my hair is natural, it falls out. You know what I'm saying? That means you never had no hair because the day you was born, by the time you got 12, you wouldn't have no hair. It would have fell off. You mean you got a full head of hair, then you comped it, and then it started falling out. And now you can't wait for it to go back because you don't want to cut it too short. Get you a short, natural, take care of your scalp, and let your natural hair come back in and stop making statements to the white man that we think we're ugly. Because every time you see some sister standing grinning with her hair on process, she's saying things we're ugly. Stop weaving dead people's hair in your hair so you can get Shirley Temple less hair. Blonde, fake Indian hair, dead people there weaved into your hair so you can look like white people. Stop 
people what I am. And if your man looks at you and sees you with your head natural and sees you as ugly, you got the wrong man. He's settling for you. But he's looking at you and seeing you as a white woman. You see? If he has to look at you and if your hair shows a left and straight say, darling, you pretty. What he's really saying is, darling, the white woman is pretty. You're doing a pretty good job of looking like her. He ain't saying that you pretty. If he looks at you in the morning when stuff is rough and says, you still my baby, then he sees you as pretty. Y'all better wake up. The time is running out on us. The white man got statements being made. And those statements are being made by us. And we think we're ugly. We think we'll never be nothing. We think we're in the ghetto. We think we're the lowest of the low. We can't get nothing done. We got to get together, and we got to get together fast. If, you were, if you're here, and y'all are waiting for the Messiah, Jesus, to come, I want to tell you, you really think y'all will have faith in God in heaven? Y'all really think on Sunday morning in heaven, y'all will be in front of a mirror pressing your head to go to church? You're going to be natural one day anyway, dear. So why don't you come on and get ready now? Because the day is coming, the Messiah is close. You can see the time folded and the Messiah is close. And no, I Exactly what you were talking about. That's the way I... You have to come closer to the mic because there's a distortion. Okay. Uh, that's the way I've been feeling like... Uh... Well, you found your way home. You remember the movie, Close Encounter? Yeah. How them people were obsessed with being there? Yeah. Certainly your people are obsessed with the book. It's like a drug to you. Once you got one book, you started going, oh my goodness. And you read another book, and another book, and you become, I don't feel like going to answer our community. I got something to do. Next, you know, you're sitting up here anyway. I can't, I, I really can't go over there. I can't be so bothered. I'm going to find one of the brothers on the street and talk to him. I got to go to work. I'm going to stay here and talk to him just a little bit longer. You understand? You know you're looking at your watch. I got to be to work at 10 o'clock. Here is a quarter to 10. You're still talking to brother and wife. Then there's something about you keep pulling you to them. They say, why man know what extra uh, encounters of a third kind is? Because he remember the first encounter was when the masters came down. The second encounter is when Jesus came down. And he knew the third encounter would be when the mothership comes. He knows what he's talking about. And he knows that inside y'all is a drive to find your way back to the ship. It's something inside that's driving you. And those books got some magic power in them that makes you keep going back to the next book. There's another book out. There's another book out. You're writing, you're marking, you're scribbling, you're checking. You're saying, dang, dang, uh-huh. I found a form. Let me check this out. Come here, swear you got it. And I make the thing you think is so complicated, sounds so simple. You got it all figured out. I got it now. They made a mistake. You come, Yvonne, I heard those when I say, that's not what it says. Look, you go, oh, okay, back out. Fifteen more books later, here you are again with another little office. I got another one for you. Whose time are you wasting? You know where you belong. Your soul is pulling you to the tabernacle, and your body is pulling you away. Let your body win, and you're going to eternal damnation. Let your soul win, and you're going to everlasting life. When they say everlasting life, my sons and daughters, all they mean is when you get out of the earth's atmosphere where the heavenly Father has created Suns and moons to control time, you move into an eternal time system. You only have these time systems when you're trapped in the Earth's atmosphere, so a hundred years seems like a long time. When you move outside of this sun, moon, and star, this galaxy, time is much, much more broader, and what you call one day could be a thousand years. That's eternal life. I hope that's understood. Go ahead. Why are we going up in space, and what is the point... Are you telling right for what? They're trying to get out of here. They realize that the ozone layer is gone. They realize that the insects are increasing, the diseases are increasing, that, you know, that the drugs are increasing, and the white man wants out. He wants to get back to Saturn. He wants out of here. 
That's why he could spend all that money to try to throw rockets in the face and ain't spending that money trying to cure diseases or hunger. So a person is spending money on their transportation while their house is burning down, that means they plan on doing what? Leaving, point blank. So the white man is trying to get out of here because he sees that this planet, Terra, is about to destroy itself, going to self-destruct. And he wants out. Point blank. Simple as that. That's why he's calling them shuttles. A shuttle is to take you from one place to the next. Correct? He wants out. He's going to leave black people here to destroy themselves. And what about the satellite world for? Communication. Because they need to communicate from interplanetary communication. The satellite is like a telephone, a wireless telephone. Only instead of sending down just FM frequencies for speech, they can send down uh, patterns for sound, color, and they can beam up images. The white man is seriously right now trying to figure out ways to alter DNA, to, you know, because he got this from the extraterrestrials, and to transport your DNA to a hologram and project you into another galaxy or another dimension, and then send your chemistry after that, and you what he called beam there. He's working on that. Extraterrestrials do it now. He don't have it, and they won't give it to him. So what he's doing is trying to get up there. He's a satellite to monitor different communications that extraterrestrials have from ship to ship, but he can't translate it anyway because they have a crystal translator. He don't know nothing about it. Well, I like them. Do you have worship services like churches? Yes, we do. Could you tell me what they eat? Every day, five times a day we pray, and then Friday is the assembly day when everybody comes. And what time? On Friday, 1 o'clock. And the rest of it is on Saturday too? Every day. And and there's a book on it called Prayer Book. Make sure they give you a copy or, or a page they can let you have free that tells you all the different types of prayer. Do you have to wear any certain kind of clothing? Yes, you should be dressed in white because it's the God that the angels always appear in. It's the God that Jesus appeared in. It's the God that the angels appeared to Jesus in. It's the God that Moses wore. So it's similar, you know, going before the Lord dressed properly, as Jesus mentioned in Matthew, right, about being prepared for the bride at the wedding. Mm-hmm. So there's a specific God of a white robe. Okay. If you don't have one. Well, I don't know how to make it. You so you to can, it. Tell the people outside. I said when you go outside, you can have one. The gift. Um, in reference to uh, seraphim and cherubim, just as maybe the seraphim so that you might be a... Uh, a good angel. You have to speak again because it's distorted. Okay. Um, in, in reference to a seraphim and a cherubim. A seraphim and a cherubim, yeah. Okay. Just like the seraphim might know that you might be a good angel, just like um, do the devil also know that you want to be, will they also try to pull you a different way? Yes. But how they do it is through your hollow, your aura. See, when you think negative in your inside, there's lights around your body that changes color. And when these evil demons, they see this aura changing, these evil suggestions around you, they're, they're magnetically drawn towards that. And they don't, they don't have to hold up above your head for three seconds to three minutes when they can figure out how your brain waves work and assimilate themselves into your physical composition and from there on start influencing you to start doing negative things. Like that I received letters from... People saying that they looked up my sign and my time of birth and things. Uh, and they want me, there's one place downtown they wanted me to come in to test me out. And they said not to tell to anybody about this. Uh, You'd be crazy if you went. Oh, I wouldn't go. No. <laughs> send it back the letter and say, and put on the letter, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and send it back. And also, will they work through your children? Huh? Will they... Yes, they will. If they can't get to you, they will get to your parents, they'll get to your kids, 
They'll get to your pet. They'll do anything they can to get you. Even though you have like a person that you know might be a Muslim and they also would talk against. The word Muslim don't mean nothing if it ain't coming from the heart and practice. A lot of people say they're Muslim, but then you turn around and see if they pray five times a day. You know, I'm a Muslim, but I don't pray because I don't think that's necessary. I'm a Muslim. I don't live in the community because I don't like what they do. I'm a Muslim. I don't wear no veil because I don't think that. Then you ain't no Muslim. A Muslim wears certain things. The Quran says a Muslim does certain things. If you don't, listen, if you don't have a badge and you don't have a gun and a blue suit and you're not registered with the penal system, you ain't no cop. You can walk around telling people you're a cop or you feel like, I'm a cop. I got a gun. I went and brought a badge, but they'll get you for impersonation. And on Yamanasi, more people are going to be gotten for impersonating Muslims than they are they're going to get for being sinners. Those impersonated are the ones going to really take hell. Saying they're Muslims out their mouth and not living up to what their hearts know they should be doing. This thing going on with the Sunnis and the Ansars uh, with the brother uh, Bilal. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. There would be no conflict between the Ansars and the Sunni had they not wrote a book about us. Our focus at the time, and everybody knows and remembers, was on trying to straighten up the lies about Jesus the Messiah. We was writing a series of books about Christianity. I had never written a book specifically geared at attacking the mistakes of Sufi Muslims ever. Your father, I've written yes, multiple yes. books on multiple subjects, but never once have I sat down and said, ask the Sunni Muslim this, ask the Sunni Muslim that. Check into their communities, check into their lifestyle, check into their diets, check into their dress codes. Your father? Yes. Uh, or check into someone's personal life or into their family or who their kids are and who their wives or wife is. I never did that. I mean, there's times that I wanted to, but I said with the devil, the white man, would love to see two black organizations, though they don't consider themselves black. They really don't. They consider themselves Arabs. But they would like to see two black people battling. They want to see me and Minister Louis Farrakhan go at it. They won't see that. I won't ever go up against Minister Louis Farrakhan as long as he's trying to do things for black people. They want to see me and Clarence 13X or his followers, the 5%, go at it. They won't see that. That's not the game I play. You follow that? Yes. But the moment an Orthodox Sunni Muslim starts trying to pretend he's not African, trying to pretend he's not black because he's found some new love in Saudi Arabia with some red Arabs, then I'm upset. But when they start trying to teach that the Prophet Muhammad was a white man, when everybody knows he was a black man of Sudanese descent, and then they push out pictures all over. See, most Sunni Muslims have never traveled. So they don't know in the white Arab world, they do push pictures of the Prophet Muhammad and the, on his successors and different men in the Bible as white. You follow? Not to mention they have certain hadith by a man named Bukhari that says the Prophet Muhammad is white. I will not teach that garbage and that stupidity to my children, nor yours. You follow? Yes, and if I was going to direct questions at them, here's the kind of questions I would direct at a Sunni Muslim. If, people, if they wanted to debate, do you worship the black stone or not? Yes or no? Of course, they will say they don't worship the black stone. And I will say, then say, in what direction do you pray five times a day? They'll say Mecca. I'll ask them, is the black stone in that direction? They would have to say yes. Then I'll ask them again, do you worship the black stone or not? They again would say no. 
because we only pray through it. Then I would ask them, well, on pilgrimage to Mecca, do you kiss this black stone that is in the direction of the east in which you pray five times a day? They would have to answer yes. I would ask them again, do you worship the black stone? You follow what I'm saying? Yes, I do. They're not ready for questions like this. Because the bottom line is if you analyze the Orthodox Sunni faith, they come out people worshiping a black stone. But that's not as drastic as this. Ask one of them, why is the black stone black? And they will tell you because of the sins of evil people who have kissed it or touched it over the years. They say the angel Gabriel brought the black stone down from heaven and it was white. Now this is what the Orthodox Sunni Muslims teach. And it was a white stone. And because people kissed it, their evils went into it and it turned black. Are y'all following me thus far? Now if you ask and if you stop at that point and say, excuse me brother, are you saying that evil and sin is black? Again, the Sunni Muslim will say no. You say, did you say that the black stone was once white? They'll say yes. Did you say that sins of evil people when kissing it and it went into it and turned it black? They'd have to say yes again. And then if you say again, are you saying that sins and evils are black? They'd say no. Do you understand what just happened? Yeah. If the black stone turned black because of the sins and the evils of people, ask them, why would y'all drape the Kaaba in a black drape and not a white drape? If black is synonymous with evil, and then any orthodox Sunni Muslim who is of African descent with black skin who died just as that rhetoric and still faces the Kaaba five times a day and goes to Mecca and kisses a black stone when the white Arab is telling him that black is evil, something is wrong with them. Do you understand? They need help because somewhere along the line, someone has them thinking that black is evil, black is sin. Let me do this again, okay? For you to teach that the black stone in Mecca is black because someone kissed it who was evil and their sins went into it and turned it from white to black is to tell me that black is sin and evil. Are y'all with me? You hear that? No. Now, if I'm a black man, I'm standing in front of the Kaaba and a black stone, by the way, is not black. It's brown like you. The color of the black stone is brown. I've stood in front of it in Mecca. It's not black like the black of, you know, like the color black. It's brown like the average black person's complexion. For a pale Arab to teach me, a black man with brown skin, that the black stone was turned from white to black because of sins of evil people, you realize what he's telling you about yourself? And then for me to go to Mecca and acknowledge that as a black man, there's got to be something wrong with me. The lights are on, but nobody's home inside my head. You follow? Yes, so the conflict that the Ansar Allah community has predominantly with the Sunni Muslims are simple questions like that that they don't have answers for. You think you're fighting against me, another man like you, made of mud like you, you follow? You think that's who you're wrestling against, and you're not. You're wrestling against a higher force 
the, the pen that writes the books for y'all is not me. I, like I say in all the books, of my own accord could not do this. You know what's so funny? Again, all the Sunni Muslims say, oh, I know Imam Isa when he first took his Shahada in State Street. That's one of the things they say. I remember him before he was a Muslim, except they got a whole bunch of this rhetoric. And then they don't look at the book and say, well, if this man took his Shahada then, that's the first time he was exposed to Islam, how did he manage to accumulate all of this information in that little bit of time? When they can't, none of their imams can. Their best can't. You follow? The point is, I am nothing but a piece of mud. The message that's coming to you people is coming through me, not from me. I am oftentimes shocked by the books myself when I proofread them. <laughs> and the information it flows and how it matches up and the predictions that come true. Like I said, last year they had an argument. And the funny thing about it, the book was finished before the California earthquake. The California earthquake had been predicted years before it happened, right? When I finished the book, I said, as far as the earthquake in California, it has not happened as of yet. If you read that in the rebuttal book. Now, it has happened twice since then. You follow? Yes. Now, I couldn't have made the earthquake in California myself. There's no way in the world I could have caused an earthquake in California to happen twice. All I could do is tell you what is coming through me as the true light of Allah. When I say as, I'm not saying I am the true light of Allah. Don't misinterpret me. I'm saying my pen is guided by the masters, the elders. Because some American Negro or Jamaican-born Muslim has not had the experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, Ruhu Qudus, as it would be in Logod al-Arabiya, being filled with that holy soul, they have not been touched by anything divine speaking to them. Thus, everybody who says they were has to be crazy. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said he saw the mothership, he spoke to the elders, the Orthodox Sunni Muslims say he's crazy because they didn't have the experience. Uh, Nobu Juali, the founder of the Morris Science Temple, said the same thing. They say he's crazy. Right? Again, it happens. I say I've seen the mothership, been upon it, a member of the circle of the elders, and the divine is sending messages to you through me. Not me. I'm not doing it. You understand? Let me repeat that. I am not doing it. Coming through me to you, I have to be crazy. See, Paul is the one who persuades people to be Christians. That's in Acts 26, 28. Paul converts people to Christianity. Read that part again. You could go on with you. I just want to see what that is. The grandson of Herod the Great. Look at that. Paul was trying to convert the grandson of Herod the Great to become a Christian. All of the ones who called us Christians. All of the ones who established the word Christian. No one did it come from the Sanskrit Krishna. Jesus did never call himself a Christian. Let's look at the next time it pops up. First Peter 4, 16. Go ahead. Yet if any man suffered a Christian, let him not be 
Next place you find the word Christians is in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch, that's Syria, right? And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church. Now you got church in there and not synagogue. You got that? And taught much people. Go ahead. Now watch this here closely, because this is important. They assembled with a church before they were called Christians. So whatever religion was in Asia, those people called their building structures churches. And later, the people that assembled with them picked up the term Christian. If you read around that, you'll find that all in there. And Jesus said, they'll be casting you out of the synagogue, the Elisa. You see that? At Psalm 74, 8, they got together to destroy the synagogues. And they took us out of the synagogues, Christ said, and put us in churches. It's going to be difficult for me to convince the Negro that he is not the Goyan or the Gentile, but that in fact he is the Lord's seed, the house of Israel, the Lord's house of Israel, Judah, and that they took us out of synagogue and put us in the word church assembly. They took us away from the word tribe of Judah and make us call ourselves Christians like they did in Antioch. They took us away from obeying the laws in Samaritan as the Lord did to Moses and try to give us new ways from expecting the Messiah, right? But they took it, say John chapter 1, verse 41, and took it, changed it, or interpreted it from Messiah to Christ so we won't feel bad calling ourselves Christians as opposed to Messiahs or Messiah. You understand? In John chapter 1, verse 41, they maliciously tell you, he finds his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. So now you're using interpretation when you could be calling on him by the Messiah. You follow that? They've done that purposely. And this is why we have been held back so long. But we don't know we're heirs to God's kingdom. We don't know that we are the Lord's sheep of the house of Israel, tribe of Judah, the Holy Seed. And Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Bible says a name is more precious than pearls. Yet men will have you call God out of the name. You don't feel bad using the German word good because you're afraid to venture down the path of learning your ancient language again. Start with the children. And let the children start having Hebrew classes in their church. And start changing the church. You leave the word church up there, just let the children know that they're in a synagogue. Let them know that the laws of the scripture pertain to them. Let them know the dietary laws pertain to them. You follow? Let them know the sacraments of bed. And our Shabbat is on Saturday. Not that we worship the sun like the Babylonians or the Greeks or the Romans or the Egyptians. And have you on worshiping on Sundays. Sunday is a day to assemble, but the Shabbat is our laws. If you say you follow Jesus, then you follow the laws of Jesus. 
Then you go through the scriptures and find out that Jesus keeps the Shabbat. Yes, you think he did it on Sunday? No. Did Jesus keep Paul? No. Did Jesus keep Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah? Yes. Did Jesus have a Miller circumcision? Yes. So how are you saying that Jesus makes the statement, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one gets to follow by me, but then you don't follow his way. If he is the way, then he is the way we should do things. He is the way we should eat. He is the way we should pray. He is the way we should speak. He is the way we should adhere to the laws. He says, St. John chapter 1, verse 17, the law came from Moses. But grace and truth come from Jesus Christ. But the problem happens is, everything I said after Moses or Moshe, because grace, truth, Jesus Christ, it's all Gentile language, all Greek. And the Bible tells you the first Gentile is right in the Bible. So there's the first Ethnos. So then the first what? Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. Then the first heathen. He looked up there, heathen, to get Goyim again, Gentile. And these heathens or Goyim, like all, imagine a vain thing. They imagine themselves as a part of the seed of Israel when they're not. And Jesus said, I know y'all who are dressing like Jews, who are praying like Jews, who are holding the offices of Jews, calling yourselves Pharisees and Sanhedrin. I know who y'all are. Y'all are mixed. Y'all are guilty of the venom of the devil is in your blood. You are mixed with Romans, with Edomites. You're mixed with Canaanites. You're not us. That's why he said, I know the blasphemy of those who call themselves Jews that are not. He called it blasphemy. He called them the synagogues of Satan. He told you, but in the latter days, I will make them bow down to you just to show you that I love you. Mm-hmm. When you put back on your God, Isaiah 52, turn to Isaiah 52. And let's get the instructions of God. Awake, awake, quiet, right? Put on thy strength. Oh, Zion. Zion means the new Jerusalem or the new Judahites coming. Mm. The children of Zion. It's Zion. Right? What does it say? Put on thy strength. Oh, Zion. Put on thy beautiful gospel, the dress of the priesthood in the books of the scriptures. Go ahead. Oh, Jerusalem. Go ahead. Holy City. But henceforth, from a certain point on, no more heathens or Gentiles, uncircumcised, shall come into you. And the unclean, those people who eat unclean things, Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11, who violate the dietary laws and have defiled themselves and become the filth or the beast because they eat like beasts, according to the Talmud. Go ahead, talk to me. Get the dirt off you. Come on out the grave. Wake up, mommy. Get up out the grave. Oh, Jerusalem. Take off that slavery chain around your neck and your grave. Oh, captive of God. Now take you back to Genesis chapter 15, where it speaks about your bondage. The bondage of the lost sheep of the house of 
Israel, the tribe of Judah, under the Amorites, not under the Mizraimites or Egyptians. Your body is 400 years. The previous body of our brothers was 430 years in Egypt. Oh, to me.
came from. They take you back to wolves and gnomes and leprechauns and mythological creatures from the sky called the Olympians. But they cannot give you a record. So they give you a record, they go back to the Neanderthal caves of Europe where they're walking around on all fours and eating flesh raw and even eating each other. And they still are counted to this day. Every year, at least one Caucasian is caught eating somebody. Well, that's the devil's seed. Mixing in with the devil. You can't liberate yourself by getting in with the devil. It means you're walking around in a zombie state. You're in a sleep state. You're under the spell of the Zephyr. What is the Zephyr? In the Bible, the Zephyr is a dragon. A big sea creature. That old dragon called the devil or Satan that deceived the whole world. And the Eomites or Orientals are in with the brotherhood of Satan. They're all the same family. You have to separate the sheep from the goat, Christ said. You have to separate the ones who are in the image of God. What do I mean by that? And in Daniel 9, when they speak of the ancient of days, they give you a description and they said, hair like wool and white as snow. Now, uh, Muslims and a lot of other theologians will say that, no, Chesedic. They don't have any proof of that, they just say The ancient of days would have to be the alpha, the first. You understand? And the only other person that refers to himself as an alpha and omega is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus became known as the visible image of the invisible God. When you see me, he said, you see the Father. So now, in Daniel, the ancient days would be symbolic of them to Christians and Jews as God. Sitting on his throne. Anybody got that? Come on the screen. Go ahead. I behold, till thrones were cast down. I mean, all other authority, all other power was cast down. Go ahead. And the ancient of days, the oldest one, the Alpha, the Elite, did sit whose garments were that's why Isaiah 52 says you put back on your beautiful garments and the hair and the hair of the dead not the fur of the dead I'm saying that because dogs and lions and, and gorillas and other creatures have fur they may tell you it's there because they control the media
You are not Gentiles. That you are the seed of Judah. That you are a holy seed. That you are not the devil. Black people are going to get mad. They're going to say you are not Christians. That's something Paul said. They love old white Paul. On the line of Paul, I should say. They love on deceiving Peter. And black folks are going to go up against you. And they'll deliver you into the hands of white folks. And think they're doing God's work. With a smile on their face, they'll say you who have given themselves over to the Roman doctrine. And those same blacks were betraying their own families in During Jesus' time, they sought to kill them. Jason, stone, he had to run through the crowd to get away from it at certain points because they wanted to kill him because he was black. That's what Jesus said. He said, and you know me, you know who I am. You know what some Abraham seen. Abraham was a black man, no doubt about it. Archaeologists have confirmed it. Jesus is a black man, a Negro, not no Arab, not no Middle Eastern, a Negro would not be here. It's confirmed now, no more doubts. That's why they hated him. As the comedians say, they don't see a murder. After they spent a whole year trying to say, well, he got beat up as a kid. Uh, he had um, psychological problems. He, uh, you know, he, yeah, he's insane. He's been abused. Then he goes to death row and stays there for 45 days. Black man goes in, he's found guilty, and by the way, that's what they think we'll be howling. We'll be crying, screaming out because we don't get no justice. It's just us, me, just us white folks. And it's going to be hard for us to get in there and get our people out. It's going to be hard to go down into the ghetto because they think they're ethnic. They're calling themselves ethnic. They don't even know ethnic means Gentile mm-hmm. or Goyim in our language. You don't want your language Hebrew. You don't want your language Arabic. You want to speak the devil's language and you get trapped in his words. And you get lost. Crawls coming out of the mouth of the dragon and talking about Paul, Titus, and Cyrene. And then Peter and a couple of other ones followed him with Barnabas. He wouldn't follow them. James, Jesus' brother, he wouldn't follow Paul. And when they said, come on, Paul. Let's go back to Jerusalem and go before Jesus' beloved, John, son of Zebedee, Paul ran and set up his own church. And you're in that church. And they're driving you out of the synagogues in a bunch of people called Jebusites, calling themselves Jews, are now in our synagogue, reading our synagogue, keeping our rituals. And we wonder why we're doing so bad to return our faith from our God. And we're starting to worship God and Adonis and other gods. Just for you who name. We use the word Christ. Christos from Krishna. The interpreted name instead of Messiah. They said we found the Messiah. So when they found him, they knew him as the but they interpreted later to Christ. And they gave us the name Christian. So we won't know who we are. So now we tell a black man, you ain't no Gentile. White folks are Gentile. Orientals are Gentile. You ain't no Gentile. You are the tribe of Judah. You're an Israelite. You're an Israelite. You're a Midianite. You're the blood of God, the seed of the woman from Eve. Not Cain, who defected his seed. When they say, uh, we had a conversation last night about how the mark of Cain, some white folks say, the mark of Cain means black people. Right? That's because they don't know the language. The word is up. The word up 
means a mark as a mark as a token of time. Not a bruise, not a skin complexion idiot. Because they're imagining vain things. They see themselves in power and not in subjection to Christ. They're so busy being teachers to watch the word channel and Jesus' name going to come up until they end with prayer. Most of us talk about economics and money and how to build the economics and money. They're not the very now that they throw a verse out of the form. So they can't sit up there and go through the Bible word by word from Matthew and break it down from the Hebrew and show you the Bible. They don't know Matthew's real name. Let alone James' real name. Let alone Jesus' real name, Yeshua. And you can tell them Jesus' name is Yeshua. You can look it up and they'll still say Jesus. You can say the word Messiah is Messiah. Messiah. They're real slow to take. Messiah. And they'll still use the Hindu word Christmas Christ. And wonder why we're suffering. Yeah, we're going to howl. Uh, let's go back to Isaiah. Those that rule over them make them to howl. Now I want somebody to go to verse 13. Ready? Now listen to the number. Because the children of Israel was before time. I was up in Egypt 430 years. And everybody in the world knows they were in the bondage under the Egyptians. Now let's see what this one is talking about. It says, And he said unto Abram, not Abraham. He wasn't talking to him as an Israelite or Hebrew prophet. This is before all that. Are you ready? Yes. He says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed, your dinner, your blood, your offspring, your future, right, shall be a stranger in a land that is not and they shall serve them. And they shall afflict them for four hundred years, not four hundred and thirty. You understand? Now we already read in Isaiah 52 that in this bondage you were sold and you were taken into bondage. But in the bondage in essence, you walked in under your own free will. You went in under Joseph. You understand that? And you even had your own land, Goshen, until Pharaoh's changed. Number 14 of uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 14. And also that nation, click on that, that Goyim, Goyim, that Gentile, that heathen nation. It's not using the Hebrew word Am there. The Hebrew word generally associated with nation of Israel is Am. You hear me? This one tells you that these are Goyim. The Egyptians wasn't going, you know, because Mizraim was one of Noah's sons. They were another blood of Noah. See, that's the Bible. But if you can't go into the language, you can't see the Hebrew or the Aramic or the Syrenic that God was both speaking in, you're getting into English and you're into the devil, the Gentile's language, and he can deceive you. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. He's going to deceive the whole world. They got scales and fangs, and he's flesh raw. For rare, oh, they call them right in there, Goyim, a heathen Gentile nation in the strong concordance on the old 1471. Goyim, get on out of here. Where are we at? It says, and also that Goyim, those heathens, I'm going to find out where what, whom they shall serve. Will I judge? Vengeance is mine. 
little shot closer. Just gave me a little bite. I would, I would have more opportunities. I'd be more accepted. By who? By God or the devil? That's all part of it. It's the spell of the that we're talking about since Eva. Where are we at? Chapter How you judge? Did he not? In one hour, so great a nation has come to the Now we're scared. We don't know where to go. We can't go fly. We got to get people free tickets on planes and free hotels. You can just come. People, I ain't going nowhere. So we thought you as the devil had everything under control. The Bible says the devil will be wounded to death. He shall be bruised by his iniquity. Look at it. Talk to me. Where we at? We're back into Genesis chapter 15. We're talking about our bondage. The lost sheep of the house of Israel, the tribe of Judah. The holy seat. It is. And also that Goyan nation whom I shall serve, I will judge. And afterwards, what? See how black folks are getting rich now? How powerful we're getting? So powerful that they're scared of us. We're getting richer and richer and richer. Our substance is going. And we're getting ready to go back to our father's way. Who's our father? Abraham. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough. What are we talking about? Amen. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Not the new-time religion. Not the New Testament religion. Not the new gospel. But we found it. Give me that old-time religion. We're going to go back to the old-time religion. Talk to me. Verse 15 of Genesis 15. And now I shall go to the Father in in Salam, Shalom, in peace, in Islam. Not those fake Muslims, not those fake Arabs who took our religion and invaded our country, Turkey taking over Egypt, Spaniards uh, taking over Spain, not them fake Indians taking Saudi Arabia. No, 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 no. We call it peace. Right? Blessed are the peace. For they shall be the children of Come children of God and heirs of Christ. For many as believe on me, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. Not people believe on Christ or Christos to be, but you gotta know his name, Yeshua Hamashiach. You gotta call for Yeshua to know him. That's all because the Christians are afraid to make that step. As long as they don't, they'll stay in bondage to him. I'm gonna show you this bondage is not. I'm not sure the word will show you his bondage is not. Ready? I want to read 15 again. And thou shalt go to thy father in Shalom. Right? Thou shalt be buried in a good way. But live out our life. Now verse 16. What is in the fourth generation? 400 years. 400 years of slavery from the 1500s to the year 2000. In the fourth generation, they shall come here again. Why? For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And click on Amorites. And four rights, mountain dwellers. People from the Neanderthal mountains of Germany walking around with fur, with a cockpit tail, running around with all four, eating flesh raw. Abraham was sent by God up there to try to civilize his father according to the disease during time. Before Abraham had to be doing it. And Hali, they'll 
أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله والي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لنا المرسلين Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part. And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles and on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujahideen, the Reformers, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And now, the true light, featuring Israid al Imam Isa al Hadi al Mahdi. Two, I had 2.14. Or do you think that you would enter the garden while yet the state of those who have passed away before you has not come upon you? That's the part I don't understand. Okay, in the Holy Quran, 2.14. First of all, we have to understand whenever you're dealing with uh, the Holy Quran and the Bible, which is the second. It's usually talking about the children of Israel and their plight. All right? Holy Quran 2, 2, 14 is now talking to the Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his followers. Because what they are looking for is an easy way to heaven. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling them in that section that you will not go to heaven until what? Until befalls you. The same thing that befell them which is before. Now, who is he talking about? He's talking about Benai Israel, talking about the sons and daughters of the house of Israel and all the things that they went through while they sojourned in captivity in Egypt and how they were persecuted. And when they tried to get from Egypt back to the promised land, all the things that they encountered, afflictions and suffering and disease and starvation. You follow what I'm saying? These are the things the children of Israel experienced. And if they endured, so that's what they kept saying, he was endured to the end. He was endured to the end, shall be said. If they endured, they made it. If they didn't, they fell to the wayside. It's telling Muslims the same thing. You think because you take your shahada, go to Mecca, and hang around a bunch of Pakistanis and wear perfume and put on a robe and prostate and make it into paradise, it's wrong. You're going to suffer. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. You're going to have afflictions. You're going to have pain like the children of Israel went through. You're going to earn the right to them. You follow that? This is what it's talking about in 2, 2, 14. I'll read it again. you see what it's saying. So do you think that you would enter the garden while yet the state of those who have passed away before you has not come upon you? Distress and affliction befell them, and right. they were shaken violently. That's right. So that the apostle and those who believed with him said. Now that's the point. Stop there. That's the apostle. This apostle is Ar-Rasul Muhammad. And his companions, the Mu'minun, those faithful people with him, they asked. Now go back and read that line again for yourself. 
the apostles and those who believe with him said. So Muhammad and his followers was asking somebody this question. You see this? It wasn't just asking Muhammad this question. Muhammad and his followers was asking a specific question. Now let's see what this question is according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was the question they asked? When will the help of Allah come? No. When will the help of Allah come? He says there. Mata Nasrullah. Mata Nasrullah. Hear that word Nasrullah? Huh? It's the same word as Ansar. Nasr. Ansar. Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Ashabahu and his companions asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When? Mata Nasrullah. When are they coming? And you know what he says? Allah. Surely, we want you to know that the Nasrullah is Qareeb. It is very soon coming. If you turn to the end of the Quran now, one text. You with me? The 110th Surah. Ready? Not yet. The point is that every part of the scripture backs itself up. People look outside of the Quran for answers to the inside. They run to Hadith and to a scholar this, a scholar that. And the Kalim Allah, the Quran of Kareem, is the theme. It is clear within itself. Ready now? The first verse is, Iza Jahnafrullahi Walfat. Notice the word. Nasrullahi in Arabic again. The most translators say, when the help of Allah comes in the victory, and their poor translation. But it doesn't say that. Either when it is, past tense has come, Nasrullah, Allah's aiders, Ansar, Nasr, Ansar, Allah, Nasrullah, well, Fatiha. The word Fatiha means the opening. They've been translated as victory. It doesn't mean that. It means a victorious opening. And it's talking about the opening of that same seven seals mentioned in Revelation. And the Quran supports it because it constantly refers to Jesus' disciples as Nasrullah. They asked him, who, Jesus said, who will be my Nasrullah in Allah? And they said, inna Nasrullah, like surely we are Nasrullah, surely we are Ansarullah. We are Allah's aid, is that yours? This is what his disciples told him in 6114 of the Holy Quran. You follow me? So here this section is telling you something. There's an answer to that question that Rasulullah Muhammad asked and his followers asked Allah. When are these helpers coming? When are they going to be? Muslims say these are angels. Most translators say, no, brother. In this section, they're talking about angels. They're not talking about mortals. More angels don't come, first of all, they're sent. But besides that, as we go on, we're going to see how. And it says, Wara Asa and Nasi Yadahuluna Fitinilahi. If this is talking about angels coming, angels do not enter into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's deen. Angels don't convert to Islam. Watch now. When the aid of Allah comes and the seal is open, 
Well, this man who wrote Hadith had a nickname, Bukhari. Bukhari is a place in Russia. That was not his name. He was named after a place. But men have laid down Musa, Isa, Ibrahim, Idris, which is Moses, Jesus, and Idris. Stopped following them and started following all these men who wrote Hadith and traditions and customs. So Deen al-Islam has been spoiled by men and must be reformed. So Deen Allah came to Abraham. You see that? Deen Allah was with Jesus. Deen Allah was with Moses. Deen al-Islam was perfected by Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He perfected it and then after him and Muslims openly say a period called Ba'd. Then I tell, meaning after. And in their conversation, they'll say, well, this is the law when Rasulullah was here. This was before, this is dying. This is ignorance before he came, after Jesus, but before him. And this is, these laws came after Rasulullah left. There should not be no laws made after Rasulullah left. They follow that because the Quran says, this day have I perfected or completed for you your deed and called it an Islam. You follow that? So you can say that Muslims do not smoke cigarettes because the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not smoke. You say, well, Hadith says it's all right. Quran says that Allah created Muhammad as a perfected being, created to breed. Then the question is not whether or not you can smoke, but did Rasulullah Muhammad smoke, yes or no? No. And if Muhammad didn't smoke, then those who are here get filled followers, they don't smoke. Did Muhammad wear plaid tagiyas? That means plaid prayer caps and blue robes? No. When Jibrael, the angel, Rasulullah alayhi, came to Rasulullah Muhammad, they described him right there in their hadith as having on a white robe. Every one of the other Sahaba that was standing there, it says. You follow that? In their 49 selected hadith, it says his robe was whiter than everybody, and that made them wonder because they had just crossed the desert who he was. So they asked him who was he, and he told them. But now, what color robe was the angel Gabriel wearing? White. And what color robe was the Prophet's companions wearing? White. Wild Muslims wearing brown robes they get from Pakistan and plaid robes and blue robes and gray robes, all this stuff that these Pakistanians and modern Saudis are making up. When the Hadith made it clear that they were wearing white and that they wore black to Ali in war. And that started when Ali's family was being persecuted by Abu Bakr and Aisha, when the so-called Shia and Sunni were born. And that's why you see this man called himself Ayatollah or Ayatollah wearing black. But they were the martyrs of Islam being persecuted because they say that Ali, alayhi salam, should have been the rightful successor to Muhammad and not Abu Bakr. And so therefore, Aisha started persecuting him and established what they called the Sunni sect of Muslims and called the other ones those things. <laughs> and that's why the word Shia, because the word Ashia, some things. You follow? So... It says those people in that latter day will be entered Deen Allah. Deen Allah in the Holy Quran, in the second surah, the 130th ayat, 
is Milah Ibrahim Al Khalifan. But he 
Shawaban. This word Shawab means to repent, to have been doing something wrong and then turn back. Now, why is it so important? Because the Quran al Kareem, Kitab Allah, Lord of Alameen, the light of the whole universe, tells people there's one thing other than suicide that there's no forgiveness for. And what is that? What does the Quran say? Thank you. 
supposed to be getting heavy and going from party to party, pretend you're coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Do my wife get together? Do my kids get together? Yaja Hulun Abidin Allahi Akwaja. But that's that. The Hamdi Rabbika was a Juru Inna Wukana Tawada. Sadaq Allahul Azeeb. And when Allah puts forth the truth, you can believe it is the truth. Sadaq Allahul Azeeb. Okay? Um, I have another question where a, a brother was telling me that he gave me an example. He said that if somebody put a gun to your head and they asked you to blaspheme Allah's name, he asked me, what would I do? I said, I'd let him pull the trigger because I wouldn't blaspheme Allah's name. But he said, no, that's wrong. He said, you should, you should do what he said to save your life. And you should have said, wonderful, every man is entitled to his own opinion. Because <laughs> it's not a scriptural debate. It's just two moral talking. And it was something that you can defend by the scripture. And he says that's a scriptural doctrine they show me. He said that, um, okay, because you, you shouldn't commit suicide. He was trying to say that you commit suicide. But I can't that you're not pulling the trigger. Well, that's you. See, again, that's an interpretation, a moral interpretation of suicide. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because you're committing suicide living in New York, raising all this poison, and that's case, you want to get technical. We're all living, we're committing suicide every day. You know, but that's not what, that's not what a lost opponent was Alameh when he meant suicide, when he said suicide. He meant when a person maliciously sits down to take their own life. He said, if this body was rented to you to educate that soul, then you don't have the right to stop that. You follow? Now, if somebody pulls a gun out on you, and you got the courage as an individual to say, shoot me, that's, that's you. Because other people will run. With the Quran in their hand, run. <laughs> that's all part of the individual. It's not something that you should get caught up religiously debating about. Unless he can show you in the Quran the likeness or similitude or the Torah, the similitude to that incident, and make that the criteria because this is Kalam Allah. Don't worry about men's words, worry about Allah's words. They show me in the scriptures where the story or something like this has happened so I can see. If not, you waste your time arguing with him. You can be arguing about, you know, the proper way to prostrate and fellow. You follow me? Don't waste your time to argue about things like that. Thank you. What the devil conceived by artificial insemination or natural? The pearl devil? He, as we read, from Genesis 9:25, where he received the curse of, of the first curse over on the son Cain from Ham's house, all the way down to Leviticus 13, and then of course Leviticus 14, 33, 33, 1, 2, and 3, where they speak about the curse being placed there. But 13 tells us how he got his complexion, how he got his skin texture, color, and eye color. He is a result of the disease called Abras. Abras is Another word for leprosy. He is a leper. Throughout the scripture, he was called the Canaanite, or the Amorite, or the Hittite, or the Archite, or the Hevite, or the Anakite. He had many different names for his tribe that spread throughout the world spreading the disease. Their diseases have resulted in sickness and gonorrhea and rheumatism and arthritis and glaucoma and all the different blood and skin diseases that come from being a leper. And we have now got that by way of integrating and marrying and having intercourse with these demons. That is a physical devil, which if you want to get its origin as a physical devil, you have to go back to the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. 
when man and woman is hitting the curse of Allah put on them, and it tells you about the, the iniquity being between the woman's seed, which is Genesis 3, 16, when he's speaking about how the devil had deceived the woman of the Gaza, and it says, Bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking to thee, meaning the sick, the fallen angel himself, Azazel and Lucifer, between thee and the woman, because only woman there was Mother Hawa for Eve, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed, meaning the serpent seed, and her seed. You see that? The word seed is moon, seed, lamb, Messalah. Moon, seed, Messalah. And it's also the same thing in Hebrew, Messalah. And in Aramic, Messalah. The same word, Messalah. Meant to be an offspring, to give birth to a child, to have a virginity, etc. So in the Bible, right in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Almighty Creator of the heaven and the earth is telling the devil and the woman that there's going to be hate and jealousy between their, their descendants. But nowhere in Christian teaching or Jewish teaching do they confess to the fact that the devil would have descendants. They keep acting as if the devil is one red being with a pitchfork. And right there in the Bible, it tells you that the iniquity shall be between thy seed, meaning the devil, and her seed, meaning Eve. You follow? So he has been cursed since the foundation of the world. And the Holy Quran confirms it in the 20th chapter, the 102nd verse, when it says, on the day that the trumpets are blown, we will assemble all of those guilty or accused, pre-accused, blue-eyed devil. The devil has already been judged. Please don't ask me, is it possible for white people to repent? The scripture teaches us that since the Garden of Eden, the devil and his seed has already been cursed. And that through the saviors that would come to man, man would be able to re-enter paradise and receive everlasting life. But that the devil himself and his host of angels and followers will be cast into fire and brimstone forever. So please, people, stop asking me, is there hope for white Muslims? Is there hope for good white people? Because the scriptures tell us that they have been cursed since the foundation of the world. And it tells you it's also that they're going to be able to deceive you. And so they're going to be so sure that it's possible to trick even the elite, if it's possible. So they're going to make you think they're righteous, make you think they're human, make you think they care. They don't care, they preserve. You understand the difference between caring and preserving? They don't cure people, they preserve. They cut out and replace parts. There's a big difference in what they did and what the prophets and the Messiah did. And they call medical in the name of God. And yet they have a person on the sword as their symbol, which is a symbol of the cherubim that blocks the gate to keep man from getting back into spiritual heaven. The medical symbol is a symbol of Satan. A sword with a snake wrapped around it, which is symbolic of the sword that was put on the gate at the garden to keep Adam and Eve from getting back in the spiritual garden, that they might rest. Where the Bible said they might do if they get in there. Put up their hand 
and take of the tree of life and live forever. Right? You know the Bible teaches the medical symbol is not trying to make people live forever. It's trying to play the creator. God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you shall be as God. This is why they have artificial assimilation. This is why they have cloning. This is why they're doing all this stuff that's trying to prolong life, heart transplant. But the one thing that the almighty creator of the heavens and earth can do that man can't do is create. Man can procreate. Man can assimilate. Man can not bring about something new. Anybody in that room think of something that has never been thought of or seen before, it's impossible. Think of a color that's never been seen, you can't. Man does not have the power in him to create. Only the Almighty can create. Man can make, procreate, meaning having children, he can do, but he cannot create. And the devil cannot give you that power. Okay? He can transport, he can't create. Where should we, uh, or where should the lost souls follow what Jesus do? What did Jesus mean? What? All right. If you would open your Bible to St. John chapter 1, you'll find out that Jesus did not finish his mission. He told them, there's many things I have to say unto you, however you cannot bear them yet. But when he, the comforter, comes, right? He shall lead you into all truth. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? That he would show you. Chapter 16, he says. He says, well, go back to 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, which, of course, they did not do. Right? Because they did not follow what Jesus said to do his disciples. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even, even, see people keep saying that, that comforter is the Holy Spirit. Right? And the Bible says, even the Holy, see that, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Even the angel Gabriel, who's the spirit. But the angel Gabriel was not seen. Muhammad was seen. The angel Gabriel came to Muhammad in the cave, who was the comforter, and gave him the Holy Ghost and the Quran. You see that? Now if you go back to the same chapter of John 5, 3, in these lay a great multitude of important folk, of blind heart. He's talking about his own Jewish people. They were blind. They were lost. They did not follow. All right? Right. Then he goes on to give you the Lord's Prayer and how they should have prayed, our Father who in heaven. These people did not believe the teachings of Jesus. So they would not inherit everlasting life. Because they did not accept the comforter who came, whose name was Muhammad, who Jesus sent. See, the angel had said, 
in 15 was sent from the Father, but Jesus sent Muhammad because each prophet heralds another prophet. Okay, that's it. Hey, Amen. In your pamphlet, uh, by the title, I think it is, um, Why Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala Should Not Be Called God, you were speaking of the name Jehovah, and you said uh, something about the Hebrew word being Yahweh, but you never said what the word Jehovah means, being a Latin word, what does it actually mean in Latin? You cannot take a word out of Hebrew, bring it into Latin phonetically, and then create a definition. You follow? Because the word is in Arabic, Yahuwah, oh he. You see that? And we say, kul huwa, we're saying, oh he, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All they did is took the ya, because there was no, they, there's no J in the ancient Hebrew letter. Right? And they put it in the front, and changed it from Yahuwah to Jahuwah. So there is no meaning to it because it was grafted from another language. It's just a, a, a mistranslation. So there is no word Jehovah. They did that purposely so that people would not worship the Creator by His proper name. Okay, you said the Lord is our Creator, right? Um, who created Him? Where did He come from? I mean, like, where did He... Now, this is the most interesting thing about that question. Ready? Ask it again. Who, who created him? Yeah. Now, when you get that question started, we got to go back to who the who was. Correct? So now we move from him to who who. You see that? You miss what I mean. You said, okay, we're talking about God. He created us. Who created him? You see the statement? He has fixed that question that anybody who asks it will be glorifying him at the point of the question. Who is the ancient Arabic word for he who is? <laughs> so when you're in English phonetics asks who created him, you're still saying he who is. And when you get to the point of question, who brought about God? Whoever brought about God would be God. Correct? He would be greater than God to create God. And you keep on going on to this question infinitely. Well, then who created him? And then who created him? And who created him? And who created him? And who created him? The trick of it is our concept of creation is a manifestation of something in some form, right? Something that we can either see, hear, taste, smell, or feel. That is creating something. You see? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. The source of the universe created nothingness to place something in. You understand? Yeah. I know it says without mother, without father. I know I read that, but um, I'm saying what? What is he? Um, some force that like pulls himself together, or what? You know, it's not. I that's what I was trying to. That's what I was trying to explain. But you gotta really, you gotta take the time to understand this. 
our understanding of creation is things that we either see, hear, taste, smell, or feel. You understand that? Now, the Almighty had to bring about a state of in order to become. And that's as far as the English will take it. He has to create, I'm not going to stop, but I mean as far as that wording. He had to create a state of in order to become tangible enough for us to calculate his presence. You understand that? So therewith, the essence of his real being does not form it fall in the realm of what man understanding as existence. He had to create a state by which man could identify with him and then would pick up attributes as like a being. And see, that's beyond. You got years yet before we get to that understanding. I, I, I can only tell you about it. One day you may, some people in here understand what I'm saying. He had to create a state of before he could become, a, before he can bring it into existence. You understand? Because human beings identify things by what they either see, hear, taste, smell, or feel. But the ultimate of the human being is the reactionary nerve system to things they see, hear, taste, smell, and feel, which they don't see the nutrition in an orange. They don't see it, but they eat the orange, the essence of the orange. So when the orange was manifest, we learned that in it was an essence that would nourish the body. The Almighty did the same thing with his existence. He made an existence necessary for us to filter from it the nutrition of spiritual upliftment or Holy Spirit. So it's not no time in creation anywhere where he was created because to be created means that you have a creator. And if he has a creator, then that is the creator. And if someone created that, then that is the creator. Now, to make it easy, he is the all. Can you take away from the all? No, because you can't put it nowhere. Can you add to the all? No, because you wouldn't get it from anywhere in order for him to be the all. So to try to be a part of a circle on the inside and understand the outside of the perimeter is impossible while you're in this state. You understand what I'm saying? If you're inside a room, you can't see the bricks outside. If you're outside, you can't see the bricks inside. And if it's transparent, then there are no bricks. <laughs> so to comprehend the existence of the Almighty, you have to get outside this house that you call the body. And then you'll be outside looking in. But you will never be able to comprehend the presence of the Most High while inside the body. You merely can bite into his orange and get nourishment from his Holy Spirit. You understand? It's not a simple actor. You asked a biggie. <laughs> That's what they call a biggie. That is a complicated question with a very simple answer. You cannot Think past what you can think. Okay? You have a watch? Does it tick? Or does it, is it battery operated now? Battery operated. Okay, there was a time when a watch was acute to us of the existence of two worlds side by side. So the devil took the tick out of it. 
Your watch ticked. And the tick was calculating time. And each tick was a moment. Correct? It went tick, 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 tick. What he did not give you is what was happening to that space between those ticks. He only told you about the ticks. And he calculated seconds and minutes and hours and months and days and years and months from the tick. He never mentioned what happened to the tick. If the space between the ticks, that is a coexistent ethic world right next to this one. He has combined the two now, and time is zooming past us. Now that he's taking a tick out, is why you say, time is going by so fast. It was just Friday the other day. Now it's Friday again. Time is zooming because there's no longer a clock in existence. The devil has taken the clock out so we would lose the ability to calculate time. But the clock, the tick, is the physical world, and the space between it is the ethic world, or the world where the angels dwell. He does not want you to be conscious of that, so he keeps you in tune with the tick, not the space. You will never be able to understand the space while you're living by the tick. I'm trying every kind of different way I can to make you see this. But it's basically beyond simple human comprehension. It takes a lot of spiritual knowledge to understand that you cannot see the outside of a circle while you're inside it. So you cannot see the, the, the perimeter of the universe while you're standing in the center. I see that. Okay? Okay, I have a question. My parents are both Puerto Rican, and I am too, but I've always considered myself black. But yet, they don't appreciate me hanging with blacks or any in that in that form of way. But she's never said it verbally, but she's always said it in her actions, as though actions speak word, louder than words. But I've wondered why, because my sister made mistakes during the, in the past with black eyes, but she's always considered me like, you know, I don't want you going that way. So, you know, don't well, step see, the mistake could be made with black guys, Chinese guys, mistakes are made, you know, with anybody. A lot of our parents, right? Even some of those people sitting in there that you would call black, their parents don't want them to be black. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? They tell them to get proud. They, they straighten their hair, braid their hair. When they was a little girl, they were straightening their hair and doing everything they can, trying to make them not what they are. Because it, it looks as if you're on the bottom of the totem pole when you're black. You have nothing. You'll never be nothing. You follow? So most parents, when they remember this, your parents don't mean any harm. Remember this. They think they're doing what's best for you. They think they're putting you in a successful part of this society because it's apparent that white people have made more success in this country because the laws of it are so treacherous. <laughs> so he's much more successful in his economic growth than blacks are. So she thinks she's doing the best thing for you. Don't dislike her for it. Just try to reach her. You know what I'm saying? Try to touch her heart and let her see that love is not based on that. She thinks that if you can marry a white guy, that you'll do better. <laughs> and she just, that's, she don't mean no harm. She loves you more than you think she does by that very gesture. Even though it's a bad gesture as far as you're concerned, she thinks it's the right thing for you. So she doesn't mean any harm. Try to work with her. Take time. Just tell her you'll understand one day. Or get stranded down south and she'll understand immediately. <laughs> you got crackers down there that don't care about us at all. That's all part of the new growing stage we're going through now. When the people of, from our Latin descent start realizing that they are the original seed also. That's going to take a little time. But it's, take, but it's happening fast. 
And when we get united, there'll be no stopping us. We definitely will no longer be the minority, that's for sure. And we control the workforce. You know what I'm saying? If y'all wanted a black program on Channel 11, or a Latino program in Spanish on Channel 11, all we all got to do is get together and tell Channel 11 that we are not going to watch that channel anymore until they put that on. And when their ratings start to drop, they'll put on anything you want. You realize that? That's how this society works? So that's why they spend a lot of time trying to keep us divided so we don't get any unified thoughts that gives us power in voting or in anything else. That's why they do it. If we ever get together, our population is so... Imagine how they split Harlem up, Spanish Harlem, the Bronx, in this Latin. Imagine if all of that was one. If they all had the same voting power, all them people up there can control New York City. They can put Mayor Koch in or out of office. And believe it, they know it. So they got to spend a lot of time trying to make us think we're different. But our nature tells us, especially when we get in Central Park on a Sunday and people are playing the kunga, and everybody, we can relate, and white people be looking around like, my gosh, that's interesting. And you see the brother, one brother who's Spanish, passed the, the Congo over to another brother, and they just start jamming together. And white people say, gosh, that's when we realize we're one, when our souls meet. And our souls can meet on the Latin floor. And Cindy Lapa is not moving like that because she wants to look strange. Cindy Lapa thinks she's dancing. When she's jumping around making them stupid moves, she really thinks she's doing what we do, you know. But she can't. If you put on, if you put on a, a, a Joe Cuba record and told her to do the Latin, she would fall all over her feet. She just can't do it. She just don't have the soul to keep the top of her body and the bottom of her body working simultaneously. They can't do it. You ever see white people's feet? Watch them try to dance? You ever see a white person try to do the pop or the snake? You see some real funny stuff to see a white person. They have no soul. They have, they, have, they have a spirit, but they have no soul. There's a difference. You can have a spirit without a soul. You follow? So moms will give her time. She'll catch on. Just be patient. Realize she's not doing it because she means you harm. She's doing it because she thinks she's doing the best thing for you. It's nothing but an expression of her love. And let her know you know that. Okay?
We have a man in our midst that can bring forth truth back beyond doubt. That can open the eyes and ears of those who are in the dark. That's Saeed Al-Imam Isa, that your man, he is that man. And the author of over 150 books of religious and scientific nature. That's Saeed Al-Imam Isa, that your man, he has brought forth this information straight from the scripture. So it cannot be denied. So we invite you to listen, to learn from the true life featuring Saeed Al-Imam Isa, that your man. نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله وعلى الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it and that he is alone and has no part and that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sustainer of all the boundless universes all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one, and on the Mahdi, the guide, and on the Mujahid, the reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. You're now listening to The True Light with Asayid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. What kind of influence did John the Baptist have over the people before the coming of Jesus? In Mark 1, they start talking about the baptism. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, they say. As it is written in the prophets, they say, now, this gospel that I'm going to talk to you about is not Jesus' gospel. This gospel is a copy of what the prophets wrote. See, the Christians quote this as if it's one of Jesus' gospels. That's not what it says. Look what it says. In one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets. You see that? As the prophets did it. Behold, I send my messenger or Rasul before thy face, which is a way of saying in front of you in Semitic language, which shall prepare thy way before thee. I'm sending you John the Baptist, and he's going to be before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus, he said. Now watch. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's in case someone don't believe me when I say it's John the Baptist. Because when you ask John the Baptist, who was he? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that's John the Baptist we're talking about. Unless you want to find some new translation, which people do nowadays. You see, like the re-standard version, revised version, Jehovah's Witness version, seven-day Adventist version, the glorified version. They're trying to, trying to change the version, but they're going to try to change that simple meaning for the gospel of Jesus. You can't. You can't. Now, we at number four. John, what did John do? John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of redemption 
for the remission of sins. I told you it's for the removal of sins and to redeem yourself. And I say, you've got me. Because I said, it's not. He said, he got you. I said, well, now tell me why Jesus had to be baptized. Because he didn't need to have his sin removed. And if he was God, he didn't have to be redeemed. Tell me why he was baptized. Well, he said, he was baptized to be an example. That was John the Baptist's job. I just said that. <laughs> he was sent to prepare the way. But tell me why Jesus, God to some, the Son of God to others, had to be baptized. If this book teaches us what baptism is. Right? This book says baptism is for the sole purpose of the remission of sin and repentance. How can Jesus repent if he's never committed a sin? And how would Jesus have any sin removed that he never had? You understand what I mean? That's the question. When I ask Christian preachers that, and I'm asking, they give me that language called yummy yum. I can tell you the answer, you know, but I'm not unless you confess that you don't know and give up the clause. <laughs> Stop saying you're a preacher. Stop saying you're a reverend or pastor if you don't know the answer. Because I know the answer. I'll go on and watch it happen. Number five. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea. Everybody who lived in Judea came out to John the Baptist. And what happened? And they of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the whole place, and Judea was the capital. You see? Watch what it says. And they went out unto him, all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were what, somebody? What? You left out a very important word. They were all baptized <laughs> of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. So John the Baptist baptized everybody in Judea and all of Jerusalem. <laughs> they tried to make John the Baptist look like he was a little man with a little teeny congregation. They passed John the Baptist off. John the Baptist was a powerful man with a big salary who all wore sackcloth and ate locusts and went against the Lord of the Lord. They didn't follow the Lord of the Lord. Bible. If you're serious, when I say let's go to Greek, do you speak Greek? 
No. You speak Hebrew? No. You speak Aramaic? No. So you never really intended to know what Jesus was saying. You just want to know what King James said Jesus said. But you really want to know, you know, you're young enough where you would have took the time, Reverend, to learn the language of Christ. And then you would have opened your Bible in front of people and it would have been a Hebrew Bible. Let's go back to Mark again. So now we understand that John the Baptist had converted all of Jerusalem and Judea. All of them were converted and was now expecting the Messiah who they interpreted as the Christ. They all, they, I'm opening the message they all said. Number six. And John was clothed with cattle's hair. That's the cloth. And with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he ate locusts and wild honey. Things that they didn't have to do with the law. <laughs> right? He's not following the law of Israel, not the books of Leviticus. Let's go on. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the laces of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. He announced Jesus as being so much greater than himself. And he said, With all the congregation I have, this, this one coming after me. I can't match him to the point where I can get down and tie his shoes. Did he respect Jesus? <laughs> did he love Jesus? He better believe he did. Now look how powerful he was. And now let's see what he says though. I indeed have baptized you with water. Submerging a person underwater. All the way underwater. Not in no church, holy nose, dipping your back in the Holy Ghost. And not the way it was done. And, and right here, John separates the way he was baptized from the way Jesus was baptized. He said, he baptizes with water. Now tell me what he said Jesus would do. You mean it. Huh? Say it again. But Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. They don't want the truth. They want to play. They want the T off the truth. They don't want the R-E, the rest of the letter. They just want the T. We are born again. Believe me, the Almighty will protect you, even what you don't know. He has. He'll forgive you for what you don't know. He's often given most merciful. He knows that. He knows that you're stumbling in the darkness. That's why I said, yeah, do I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. You're walking in shadows now, and death is in front of you. But... Fear no evil because he's with us. He's been protecting you for centuries. That's why we're here. You're coming down to the countdown and the end of the world. The world is the point now where every prophecy in the Bible is unfolding. You want pestilence? You want earthquakes? The world is lining itself up right now for a major earthquake in California. And they're calculating it. They say it's going to happen. They're telling the people to get out of there, and they're still soul training. Number eight. I indeed have baptized with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's how Jesus will baptize with the Holy Ghost. Not with water. So take them tubs out the basement in them churches. If you're going to do it Jesus' way, <laughs> or admit that they're doing it John's way. And John's way was replaced by Jesus' way. You get the Holy Ghost walking down 42nd Street in the midst of all that devilishment. The Holy Ghost can tap into you, and you get to talking in tongues. <laughs> when I say tongues, I'll be walking. I'll, I'll take you to a book of Corinthians and explain tongues to you, too. I ain't talking about no gibberish. 
It says tongues and translations. The word lisana means tongue for loga, language. And therefore, all of these followers of Jesus who were Jews, as they went out to different parts of the world, was able to speak to the people. That was the miracle. A very small miracle compared to some of the ones he performed, but that was one of the miracles. It says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John the Baptist. So Jesus himself was baptized. That's number nine. Number four tells us why people get baptized. For the remission of sin and redemption. So when you ask the Christian preacher, why did Jesus have to be baptized? He don't answer you. He just starts preaching. He says, see me, Evan. I don't want to be disrespectful. But I'm just asking for an answer. I'm not asking for a sermon. Why was Jesus Christ, who was born sinless, incarnation of God in flesh, why did he have to be baptized is the question. I'm trying to give you questions to go out and ask them. When Reverend gets up there and starts speaking, they say, excuse me, will there be a question and answer period after this lecture? I don't mind sitting to the lecture and getting this good feeling and singing and dancing and popping the tambourine, but will we have questions and answers? Will we walk through this Bible? Will we walk from west to east? Because I got some very important questions I want to ask you. But why'd you dip me in water if you baptized me in the name of Jesus? You should have dipped me in water and baptized me in the name of John. But dip me in the Holy Spirit and baptize me in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and if you can't dip me in the Holy Spirit, then you're the wrong reverend, so give up the throne. If you can't restore my spirit, then give up the throne. <laughs> you see? The millionaires aren't looking for Christ. They're looking for more millions. They're looking to control the world. What do you think is going to happen to you when atheists rule the world? Huh? You got evangelists and Pentecostals and Jehovah's and Muslims and everybody's spreading out in different directions. And their enemy is the same. Atheists. You understand that? People who do not have love of the Heavenly Father. People who do not want to live by the laws and commandments of the scriptures. I don't care whether they're the Torah, the Talmud, the Mishnah, the Quran. The NGO, the gospel, I don't care what it is, what path it's on, my father has how many mansions. But you don't want to obey it. You want to make it obey you. You want to curve these scriptures and make them suit you. Like I just pointed out in St. Mark's, where it says that John said that he baptized with water. No. But Jesus, one after him, is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Yet all the Christians are still dipping each other in water. Who are they following? John the Baptist or Jesus? It says the baptism is for the redemption and the remission of sin. To get your sins removed. Yet Jesus was baptized. And we call him sinless. Is this a mistake? Or is it a poor translation? A misunderstanding? Or is it just an outright lie? In the book of John, when it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, I would like to know if you can give me a better understanding than the King James Version interpretation of what that means. St. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning 
was the kalima, not the logos. It was no Greek. kalima. In the beginning was the kalima, the word. Now here's the trick. The kalima in Israel is the statement. Yo, Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. That's what they call Shema Israel or El Kalimat. The declaration of the oneness of God is called the word in Hebrew teachings. If you ask them, say, Jesus, that is Jesus, what is the highest of all of the commands? And he said that the Lord thy God is one God. He used that word. And that word can be made flesh. Watch that. In the beginning was the declaration of the oneness of God. Why? Because when you write it down, you're going to see how it stretches from one word into a sentence and then back into one word. They go, La ilaha illallah. In Arabic. It's the same thing in Hebrew, which comes from Allah. So every letter in that is one word. It pushes into the word. So that God was in the beginning. God was the beginning. The same was in the beginning with God. Watch. And the word was with God. Now we have ma, with in a sense of accompanying, asahaba, to walk with and be with, and to have in my possession. You see the difference? And you have the word be with by way of utilization in Semitic languages. In the scripture, though, they use the word and to have with me in my possession, was inside me, not outside of me, inside of me, as we said. In the beginning was that declaration of oneness, and the declaration of oneness was with God, within him. But he later put the declaration forward in the first commandment. Took it out of himself and put it on the first commandment, because that's why he said it was written by God's own hand. He put the first commandment out, and that was, it said, Lord thy God is one God. That's four translations. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Because when God wrote the first commandment, who was he writing about? He wrote about the Lord thy God, and he was doing it himself. The word was with him. He was the word. He's the one who taught the declaration of oneness of God himself, about himself. This is not Jesus yet. He comes up in here, but not yet. Watch. The same was in the beginning with God, which would have been, this is how it was. Man can achieve that. I know, I know love. This is how it was with God. This is how things were. He was alone. He was in the beginning of Genesis, who was with him? It didn't say the Spirit of God and Jesus moved upon the face of the waters. It said the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters a single in the beginning, in Genesis 1. There's not no two there. And in Elohim, the Hebrew word Elohim is short, Elohim for Allah. It's the same word. Elohim and Allah is the same word. And Tim is just a plural. And that means Allah and all of the angelic hosts, the ones he used, who was here before man was on earth. That's Elohim. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, all things were made by him. See, because we know all things wasn't made by Jesus. You see what I'm saying? But Satan wasn't made by Jesus. The tree in the garden wasn't made by Jesus. 
Because God takes exclusive right to those things in the beginning of the Bible. Himself in the first person singer. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So nothing that came into existence would be other than by way of him. His column, his declaration, Allah or Elohim. In him was life. And the light was the light of man. See, Jesus was called the son of man. So therefore, as a son of man, he also had his life and his life. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 1, he said, I breathed into man of my spirit, and man became a living soul. The breath of life was light of every man that cometh into the world. The light is a light in man. Watch what it says. What is this light and light? The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness proceeds not. The spirit of the Most High is inside of every one of your dark shells. Your, I don't mean your skin, I mean your, your body without the light of the Lord is dark. But you don't feel the presence of God yet. And in Genesis, what did he say? He said he put his spirit into you and you became a living soul. Is that what he said? So he's there in you, but you don't know it until you get the Holy Ghost. So the light is shining in the darkness, but you don't even perceive his presence. Jesus is not shining inside you. Jesus didn't even say he would shine inside you. He said he'd send the Holy Spirit to be in you. This can't be him. Number six. There was a man sent. They just took the word sent because the word would be Rasul, an apostle. They just translated it wrong. There was a man who was an apostle from God, Rasulullah. Then they give you a name whose name was Yahya or Yohanna in Hebrew, John. The same, this man John, came for a witness. Now we're back to the statement of Revelation chapter 1. A witness. See the same words? Came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. They say, see, the him here, they say, is Jesus. Now, he came, John, to bear witness of the light from, from the Father. That through him men may believe. Why? Because John was the one baptizing people with the light. The spirit. He made them. He converted all of Jerusalem and Judea before Jesus started teaching. Right in the book of Mark, chapter 1. The whole of Judea and Jerusalem did John convert to repent of their sins, it says. So John received this book in the year 96 A.D. You want to accept the teachings the way you want. You don't want the pure, unadulterated, Judaic teachings of Jesus where you have to keep the Sabbath, circumcision, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. You don't want that part of it. You don't want to fast. You want to limit the way, no, we don't have to do that nowadays. We don't have to do this nowadays. We don't have to do that nowadays. We don't have to do that nowadays. What do you do that Christ did? You have not thought of everything he did. When you look at y'all, you don't see nothing he did. What do y'all do that Christ did? He didn't go out spreading the gospel the way you do. What are you doing that Christ did? Nothing but saying you do. We will return with the true light after this brief intermission. Now is the time to ask questions of your leaders, teachers, and preachers. Where did all the races of people come from? Why did John have to baptize Jesus at the Jordan? And why do the four Gospels contradict each other? 
The answer to these questions can be with only one man, as Saeed and Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi, the man who has written over 150 books on such topics as Is There Life on Other Planets? How Were the Pyramids Built? What Race Was Adam and Eve? And was the Holy Quran made up by Muhammad, or was it a divine scripture sent from the Most High? And what is the difference between the spirit and the soul? The answer to these questions can be found in the most dynamic books in history, authored by As-Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. These books can be purchased at the original Tenth of Keter at 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. Would you like to see the man behind the voice you hear teaching the total truth? He is there at the Hall of Knowledge, located at 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. Every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m., the Nubian Islamic Hebrews would like to invite you to question and answer classes with As-Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Come listen and learn. Hear the words of truth for yourself. Hear the answers to long-awaited questions. Also for your spiritual growth, an intricate design woven prayer rug designed by the hand of As-Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Also available are prayer beads, incense, and oils. If you would like any further information on these items, contact the original tents of Kidar, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. And be sure to ask for a listing of the most dynamic book in history, authored by Sayyid Ali Marisa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. Now let us continue with the true light. Remember, you are the light, and you have the power over all things. Genesis 25, verse 24. Is this speaking on the um, Amorites and the Nubians when Rebecca gave birth and first came out all over like a hairy garment and they called this name, which is name? Esau. Esau. Is that? No. What happened is these are twins. See, the Christians try to make it look like these are not twins. These are twins, and that is a very common occurrence. You have people with uh, give birth and a baby has a lot of hair, mm-hmm. born with hair on the body. A lot of people are born like that. A lot of black people won't admit it, but if they ask their grandmother, they say, yeah, when you was born, you was covered in hair. Nah. And then as you got older, that hair went away. When these two twins were born, one of them was born full of hair, and one of them was born very weak and spottish, with red spots on it. Jacob was born with these red spots on him, like certain babies are born with red bruise marks, and they go away. And Esau was born covered in hair. So Esau's name meant hairy. That's what the name Esau means. Because when the priests looked at them, they named the child after that, what they saw. And they called him Esau or Yitzor in Hebrew. Or Isaac, and it meant hairy. So these were both twins and they were the same complexion. Go ahead. Let me just ask you this. Both of them were, they were both Nubians. Both of them were black. That's right. Okay. Now I was in the city. I don't know what they were. They were saying that um, one of them were white and the other one was black. Yeah, they call themselves Israelites. They came here one time. He was saying that um, the one who sold his birthright, which one was it, Jacob? Jacob was black and Esau was white, they say. Okay. Yeah, it has no truth in it whatsoever. Because, let me tell you why. Let's go back and find out who we're talking about. We're talking about Jacob and Esau who were born to Isaac and Rebekah. Right? Exactly. Now, Rebekah was the daughter of a man named Nahar, who was Abraham's uncle, which meant that he was Abraham's father's brother. All right? Now, Abraham was a Chaldean, and they know, everybody knows the ancient Chaldeans was black. They got statues of them because they lived in the land of Babylon. But they'll show you with the nappy beards and the nappy hair. Okay? 
that if he married his own father's brother, then he married his what? His cousin. His first cousin. Right? So Rebecca was really Isaac's first cousin. So therefore, Rebecca and both Isaac had to be what color? Black. They both, so therefore, Rebecca was black and Isaac was black. And then Rebecca and Isaac got together and gave birth to twins, and they were called Jacob and Esau. So now, two black grandparents on both sides, and two black great-grandparents on both sides, and two black great-great-grandparents on both sides, mean all four generations was black gene, there was no white in there. Tell them Israelites on 42nd Street to please tell me how four generations of black genes gave birth to one white kid. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that they were I, 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 I know you saw through it. It's, just, it's, just, it's good to ask the question, but they just don't no. know what they're talking about. They're trying to find out where the white man fits in the Bible, and they right. don't know. Okay, but it was also explained how, where it says, don't quote me on this, it says that the young will rule over the old until the yoke is broken. That's right. Okay. And that's exactly what happened. They were saying how the white man is the younger, is the younger race of this earth. That he is ruling over the the old, which is the black race, and until we break the yoke, then we'll take our rightful position. It's a nice little story. This is not true. <laughs> it comes out where what happened is the tribe of Israel, because Jacob had his name changed to Israel, right? And he went and moved into the land of his uncle, another uncle, Leban, and took two wives, Rachel and Leah, who were his daughters, and then their two servants and gave birth to the 12 tribes of Israel and got many flocks and sheep while living in there through seven periods of seven, seven, which were 14, two sets of seven years, and became very powerful. And Esau sought him out and met him in the wilderness. You follow that? And Jacob bore witness to Esau. So Jacob, the younger, had become greater and more powerful than the elder brother Esau, who sold his birthright for a little bowl of beans, or pottage as they called it. And now what has happened is Israel fell into oblivion, and Esau married into the Edomite race. It says that he married a Hittite, and he later became known as Edom on Mount Seir. The word Edom in Hebrew means to become red. So the Edomite race, or the Oriental race, came out of that brother, Esau, from mixing their blood, where Jacob's family broke the covenant and fell into subjection. They fell out of grace of the Most High. You see that? Whereas the Oriental race came to power. Now the whole world is depending on the Oriental race for everything, from cars to cigarette lighters to televisions to everything. You follow what happened? That's what they meant in there. And that's a prophecy that has fulfilled itself today, that Japan and Korea are now more powerful than Israel. And all the Israelites, which are you. Now you, who are the younger, Jacob, you're now serving them. You depend on them for everything. But there was a time when they served you, when Esau was depending on Jacob for support. When the Edomites depended on the Israelites to bail them out in the battle against the Amalekites. Okay, awesome. Is it wrong for the five percent to say that they are God? Yes, because they don't know why they're saying it. So uh -huh. in this country, you can put a badge on in a blue suit. But you they, follow that? And they, say you're a cop and then get arrested for impersonation. 
Exactly. Now, first of all, if they're speaking in numbers, they're not 5% of the population of the world. Because they say 5% of the population. If they do not make up 5% of the world, all right, that part of it can't be true. They're not poor righteous teachers who do not believe in the teachings of the 10% because the teachings of the 10%, which they refer to as preachers and teachers, they teach from the Bible, correct? And the 5% is teach from the Bible. They say that he got his message on the Isles of Patmos, which comes out the Bible. That's in the lessons. So they do believe in the teachings of the 10%. They say they don't believe in a spook God, correct? They say. However, Clarence 13X, who they call Allah, is not in the body anymore, walking around on 126 feet of Manhattan anymore. So now, what do they believe in? They got a picture of him, and if he's not in the flesh, any new 5% who never saw him in the flesh is believing in much as a spook as anybody else. Because he is a spook to anybody who has not seen him in the flesh. I don't care what they say. If they never saw him, like I said, the nation is love. I don't, if you never saw Master Farad Muhammad yourself, then you believe in a spook God just like the Christians who say that they never saw Jesus. They have pictures of him, but they never saw him. But Jesus said, you can get to heaven without seeing me. Just believe on my name. But the nation of Islam said everything is for real, and Master Prophet is for real, and God ain't no spook, etc., etc. I say, where's he at? They say, he left in 1933. Well, have you seen him? No. Oh, man, you believe in a spook just like anybody else. And if you walk up to a 5%, they say, well, where's your leader? Clarence 13X, his name is. Where's he at? He got shot. You mean he's dead? Well, he lives on. Oh, well, take me to him. I want to talk to him. Uh, you can't do that. Then you believe in a spook too then. You can't get away from that. And you believe in the spook. Why do you call me a spook all the time? What he was trying to say when he called me and you spooks is that we are people of soul. That we have soul. Why? Because in Genesis, God, as they call him, says, I grieve into man of my spirit, and man does what? What did he become? A living soul. That's what Genesis 1 says, right? I breathed into man of the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see that? Yes, I am a spook. So I am a soul, but I believe in the supreme creator of the boundless universe who I find manifested through me and you as a breath of life. Um, I was flipping through the lessons a little while back, and I ran across some questions. And I was hoping it, it would be, you know, explained to me. Like, I was also listening to this tape. It's about who made the Holy Quran or Bible. How long ago, and will you tell us? Why does Islam renew its history 25,000 years? Now you're saying that um, the scientists renewed their history or Quran every 25,000 years. I was wondering if you could explain it to me. Actually, what you did was you pulled out part of the answer. The question is, who wrote the Holy Quran or Bible and tell us when it expires? Holy Quran was by the original man of the law, the premium black man of Asia. Holy Quran expires every 25,000 years, 9,080 days from this date, written initially in Islam, does everything all wise, right, and exact. Then it goes on to compare. 24,896,000 miles to the circumference of the planet Earth and says that we're given one land, which is one mile per year. You understand what I'm saying? So what you're trying to say that every time that the Holy Quran covers the whole world, cycles the whole planet, then it's time for its re renewal. All right? When Islam left the East and circled the whole world, the last place it arrived was here in the West, in North America. You see, that's why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told them to look for somebody bearing a book with the lamb on it. A man is going to come and give him a better explanation of the Holy Quran. Because at the point of our coming into existence, that is the time for the Quran and the history of Islam to renew itself. The word renew is to reform. 
or to be a reformer or a mujizin. He was telling them the next time the Holy Quran is reformed, look for a man and you see him and he'll be bearing a book, the Lamb. And he'll be the first black man to translate the Holy Quran and make it understandable to you. And that's our job. We gave birth. The Holy Quran had cycled the whole world. And the last place it came was to America, to you. You see? And I'm that reformer sent with that ability, with the Book of Lamb, to translate the Quran and give you an, a renewed understanding of Islam. Takes you back through the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and back before that, all the way back to Adam and to the end of the world. And that's what Honorable Elijah Muhammad told people to look for. The person who have that ability that would be able to cycle the whole world. And then 24,896,000 miles, that Quran traveled to India, it traveled to China, it went to Alaska, it's in Russia. The last place people got the Holy Quran was here in the wilderness of North America. And he didn't try to teach the Quran because he knew he couldn't. He told you someone after him was going to come with that. You see, there's a difference between teaching the Quran and teaching the Quran. When you teach it in all English, it's Quran. When you teach it from the Arabic, it's Quran. And all these teachers in the world, here in the Western world, are not teaching y'all the Holy Quran. They're teaching y'all the book, the Quran. <laughs> okay. That's what he meant by the 25,000 years. Holy Quran would, says, says, who wrote the Holy Quran or Bible? And he referred to it as a Bible, meaning a little book, a scripture, biblical. Who wrote the Holy Quran or Bible? Tell us, tell us when it is expired, meaning the nation of Islam. The Holy Quran expires every 25,000 years, 9,080 days from this date written. The nation of Islam, when that happens, the nation of Islam then will be doing things all wise, right, and exact. Because during the period of time of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, they wasn't doing everything all wise, right, and exact. Because they wasn't dressing the way he put them on the front of the newspaper. I think the brothers should have the newspapers there now. And he'll show you the symbol of them. They wasn't dressing the way, but he showed you this man, and he said, there's a picture of one of them, and he shows a picture of a man standing on a jellabia, and says, all eyes shall behold him. All right? But that quote that he refers to, and he says, all eyes shall behold him, is in the Bible, and the next step is the Son of Man. The one who comes out of the east to the west. And you see how he got him dressed there. He has him dressed like that brother standing up in front of you is dressing. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, throughout his papers, was telling people to get ready. He showed them a link on the front of the cover where they show us shaking hands with them. They're showing you the, the link between them coming from them over to us. He has another article in the paper where they show you actually his followers leaving him and walking over a bridge where they're meeting people in white turbans. There's a little small picture on another paper you have over there. So all this was Honorable Elijah Muhammad telling those people where to go and who to go to and what to look for and what knowledge, wisdom, and understanding he would have because they were not doing things all wise, right, and exact. Because Honorable Elijah Muhammad made the statement, can a Muslim be fooled? What's the answer? No. No, not, not nowadays. You left part of it out again. You got to stop doing that. <laughs> so no, not nowadays. But what happened is when Warren D came to the throne, didn't he fool everybody? Huh? No, he let the devil in the nation of Islam, didn't he? True. And that's not the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, because what does the Honorable Elijah Muhammad say about the reformation of the devil? Can the devil be reformed? No. no they tried. <laughs> and they found out it could not be done. You understand what I'm trying to say? So they were not all wise, right, and exact. However, when you walk up on an Ansar who is following these books to the letter, who are following the doctrine that's being passed to him, you can't find fault in his doctrine. Out of the, the two-edged tongue that comes out of his mouth, you can't stop him. Everybody that comes against an answer, whether he's a beginner like you are or been here years, you got so many answers, you, and you can always rest assured you say, if I don't have the answer, I'll be back with it because I know who got it. There's a guy who got a book with a lamb on it, and he got all the light that we need in that book. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. That's, that's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was talking about for the 25,000 years and the renewal of the Holy Quran. The renewal of the Holy Quran meant the real, proper translation, a revised, a renew. The word renew in Arabic is mujitta, the reformer. Okay? So, are all white people the devil? 
all that are born and those not yet born are the devil. <laughs> always will be, always was, and you cannot so, reform a devil. You're absolutely right. So therefore, <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> I want you, go ahead. Is it wrong, okay, being that we are, so is, is the devil children of God also? Now, when you get down to the essence of it, the angels were created by Allah also. You understand that? Angels were created by Allah. And the original angels are supernatural beings, as they have it, for lack of a better word in English. All right? Malaika. Okay? They are all from Allah. And don't forget that that angel that you call Lucifer and the devil at one time was in heaven. Right? And was one of the highest of all the angels. Did you know that? Yes, I knew that. All right, so now, this guy we're calling the devil, the reason why he's so smart and so tricky and so sticky and so slimy, like the scripture tells because he came down to earth with the knowledge he had in heaven. You understand that? Okay. And that's why the white man is so tricky. So when you look at it and say, is the devil a child of God, you say in his original form he was, but now that he has transformed himself into the serpent and a beast with a curse, he can't be cursed and be of God. Okay. Perfectly well. So let me ask you this: Can you call yourself righteous and hate the devil? But but no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. I mm. fool you, huh? <laughs> I don't hate the devil. I don't hate the devil no more than I don't hate a lion. But I'm not gonna get inside a lion's cage. I don't hate him, but you don't see me climbing inside there and shaking his hand and becoming a sandwich. And I know the devil is like a lion. A roaring lion. Perfectly well. Huh? I said, you're, you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more. I don't hate him. I just <laughs> avoid him. I don't need him. Okay. If we get together, all you people here, if we start working together, we can do it. But our problem is the white man taught y'all how to be individuals. I go for mine. We got obvious. I got mine. <laughs> you got yours? I got mine. I look. You go to a party with your best friend, and you're trying to outdress your best friend. You're checking out, you call on the phone and say, well, what you going to have on tonight? She says, oh, I got this new outfit. You go, oh, God, you got something new. But she says, well, you have green shoes? You say, yeah, and you check that off. You know that, that green dress? She goes, yeah, I remember that one. You know what I mean? So she ain't going to look, I got, okay, good. Now, nah, I'm going to put on my new dress. I can come out here and look better than her. That's how we are. Is that not true? Our old friends, we try to outdress. Try to outdance each other. Try to get a better record player. Try to get a better looking car. Always come out, I got this, I got that. Instead of us coming together and y'all say, listen, let's pull our money together and buy a couple of outfits be basically the same size and we can interchange clothes. You know what I'm saying? Or we can, you use my car and I use your car. Let's chip in and just get a better car and we both can share it. Black people, we've got to learn to do that. We've got to come together, pull our efforts, our strength, our finance, and build our own nation. The Chinese did it, it's called Chinatown. The Italians did it, it's called Little Italy. The Jews do it, it's called Jewtown. Where's yours? Harlem? No, it ain't. Because they came back into Harlem and took all the buildings. They're buying them right from under you. They remodeling them. That's how we are. Is that not true? Our old friends, we try to outdress. Try to outdance each other. Try to get a better record player. Try to get a better looking car. Always tell about, I got this, I got that. Instead of us coming together and y'all say, listen, Let's pull our money together and buy a couple of outfits be basically the same size, and we can interchange clothes. 
You know what I'm saying? We can, you use my car and I use your car. Let's chip in and let's get a better car and we both be sharing. Black people, we've got to learn to do that. We've got to come together, pool our efforts, our strength, our finance, and build our own nation. The Chinese did it. It's called Chinatown. The Italians did it. It's called Little Italy. The Jews do it. It's called Jewtown. Where's yours? Harlem? No, it ain't. Because then it came back into Harlem and took all the buildings. They're buying them right from under you. They remodeling the Bronx, then they're going to put you out. They tore down Broadway, they rebuilding Broadway, and they're not renting it back to the Negroes or the Puerto Ricans. It's for him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, what does it say? No man can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve Allah and mammon. And then it goes on. See, most people stop right there. And they'll never know what that quote is talking about. It's talking about working, having a job, trying to set up a career, trying to pay them back bills and using that as an excuse. The Bible goes right on and tell you what it's talking about. What does it say? Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That's what Jesus said. Don't take no thought about your life. What did he say after that? What, G? What you shall eat or what you shall drink. What do y'all eat? We eat food. (laughs) The Lord tells us, don't be talking about what you're going to eat. What else he says? Or? Or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to drink or? Or, no, what? No, yes. For your body. Go ahead. What you shall put on. Now, where do y'all get your clothes from? It's obvious. We wear a lot of, we, I got more material on than you got on. I walk around with maybe 10 yards of white fabric on every day. I mean, I'm saying, you understand? Go ahead. It's not the life more than me. And the bodies in raiment. Behold. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. <laughs> no fowls. You don't see no birds out there pushing no plow, digging up no soil, and planting no seed, but they do reap. They eat. Because who take? Oh, go ahead. Let's see what the Bible says. Nor gather into bonds, yet the Heavenly Father feedeth them. Are who not- takes care of them? The Heavenly Father. Where is your faith? You don't believe. You're like, I don't know how they live, man. I'm not going in there. One of my friends said, y'all might just collapse. Well, if we collapse, Jack, we're going to collapse together. But at least we tried. We tried to change the path that the white man has planned for our people, which is nothing but self-destruction. At least we're trying. At least for one thing, my children is not going to be exposed to crack. At least we got the step one down. We're on our way to setting up. We speak our own language. We have our own culture. We have our own flag. At least we got some type of identity, and it's yours. Don't wait till we finish it and then say, I'm going to join when it's all done. I got two more buildings to paint. When they finish painting them two, I'm coming. (laughs) Ain't nobody in the whole world like me and you. No people on the whole planet has went through what you went through. And nobody can survive the way you do and still be sitting up there laughing at ourselves. Nobody could do it. Be proud of yourselves because you're a strong nation of people, but you're a stubborn nation of people. You're a hard-headed nation of people. But we are a great people, and the only thing that's holding us back right now is ourselves. Because the man is so caught up in his own problems, he got so many world problems, we got time to get it together. Because he doesn't have his attention on me and you right now. 
So we better get ours. We ain't got that much time before he turns his attention back on us. We better get together and we better start doing something now so that we're strong enough that he doesn't bother. Black people, you got a chance to make it. They get y'all locked up inside them projects and close those doors. Ain't no fire escape. Either you niggas gonna have to fly <laughs> or y'all gonna be inside concentration camps. And you sisters are working that telephone company now where they don't have no windows. They trying to tell you something. They built all these buildings throughout the ghetto and call them refired telephone company buildings with no windows. Those are concentration camps for you. And don't think they don't do it because they did it to the Japanese. You understand what I'm trying to say? That may sound funny, but we are great people. We have a great opportunity right now to do something. Don't blow it. And we're going to spread this good news throughout the world. Translating the books now into Spanish and into French and into Arabic. We're going to spread it out because ain't nobody can beat the words of our doctrine. So all the Sunni Muslims and everybody that talks about us says, I don't like him because he's Dr. York. You know, he's a singer. Well, I don't like, they got all it, but they don't never, what about the book? I, I, I don't, well, they keep jumping off the book. <laughs> so what about what he says in that book? Yeah, but, uh, you know, you heard he's a singer, right? Well, I ain't asked you about that. What about the books he wrote? They can't even deal with the doctrine. All they can deal with is the person. And the person ain't worth concentrating on. It's the book, the doctrine that the man is putting on. Don't worry about Dr. York or your mom. They're just people. You better worry about the truth that the man is putting out. You understand what I'm saying? Don't waste the time, because we're going to move on without you anyway, I'm telling you. Whether you're here or not, we're still moving, because some of y'all have been coming for years, and you're still still getting bigger and bigger, and you sit home and say, you know what? You say to your wife, you know, uh, I'm really thinking about getting, becoming a part of the community. I really see what they're doing. I, I don't really agree with everything, but I can relate. I see what they're trying to do. And then you've been saying that for five years. What are you waiting for? Go on. Read this section, because it talks more about you. And we're, the body, and we're the body. still in Matthew chapter 6, right? Right. Go ahead. The latter part of 25, verse. And the body's in raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into bonds. Yet the heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? With all that y'all think about yourself, what can you add to yourself anyway? Can you change time or destiny? Can you make yourself an inch taller or shorter? Go ahead. And why take ye thought for, <clears throat> for raiment? For raiment. Consider, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. They're provided by the Heavenly Father. Go ahead. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon was considered one of the richest men in the world, second to Ramses II of Egypt. One of the richest men in all the world, and all that he had, he didn't look as good as one bushel of flowers. <laughs> That's what he's saying. One bushel of flowers that the Almighty created. Go ahead. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? See what he said about you? <laughs> At the end of the day, he said he, he clothed all the flowers. And he clothed them and let them come in in the summer and go out in the winter and reclothe them <clears> each year. Isn't he going to take care of you? Aren't you more important than them? What did he call you? What did Jesus call you? Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Don't you have any faith in your heavenly Father? Go on. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or, or what shall we drink? Or, or 
wherewith shall we be clothed? For? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's right. Keep going. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye shall need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of Allah and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now you see how he dealt with you? And what did he compare you to? He compared you to a Gentile. Right? And if you go to the book of Revelation, where they're telling us about preparing ourselves for the kingdom of heaven, which he said right there is for you in Matthew 6. In Revelation chapter 11, he starts to tell you about the temple and those that worship or prostrate therein. Because they use the word prostrate in the Hebrew and Arabic. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, which is Allah, and the altar of them that worship therein. But, now that's those inside this tabernacle of the Most High. Now let me talk to y'all who are outside the tabernacle but still say you're with us. What does it say? But, somebody read it. But, the court which is without the temple, leave it out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. You see how he did that? He said, those who are out are still giving themselves unto the Gentiles. That's the Bible. The Quran will back it up in the second chapter when it says there are some of those who say we have faith in the law in the last day. But they're not in with the faithful. Be mu'mineen. They're not in with them. They say I do. They say I'm with y'all. They say I believe everything y'all believe. I read the books. I follow. I know one from Abraham. I know who the Amorite is. I know who the devil is. But they don't come in. They stay outside and say it. <laughs> اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم صدق الله العظيم Those are verses 1 through 5 of Surat Al-Alaq from the Holy Quran chapter, Separation of Self. Now the 96, originally the first chapter, revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Translation by Al-Sayyid al-Hadi And it reads as follows. Begin all things with the illustrious names of Allah, the yield of the most merciful. O seal of the prophets of Allah, Muhammad, by the supreme sovereignty of your sustainer and creator. You are being ordered to read, by beginning with the name of your illustrious sustainer, who created all things. He, Allah, created all human beings of a separating cell. So read, because your sustainer, Allah, is most generous. He uses the quill to teach. He, Allah, taught human beings what they would have never known. You have been listening to The True Light with Asaid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. The Islamic Hebrew Mission would like you to write. 
or send questions to True Light, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 
because the heart was too loud. He can actually hear his heart and think he's going to have a heart attack. Or she can hear her heart. What would you like to go to the You see, you fast. You're sharing energy from your mate, and you're getting a double portion of electric nerve senses being sent to activate that chakra or that gland or that open or teeth. And it makes you think you're going to have a heart attack. Who do you get a lot of to Oh, yeah, just get away from her. <laughs> That's the power of love. We got such beautiful power. We don't need all women standing around us just because we got the horny. Horny. The devil's horny. We need one good, loyal wife, one good, loyal husband, both doing their part, and life is beautiful. I was missing the and it was miserable for me and the women I was messing with. And it took us all no way. I've never been happier than I am now. When I have a wife and a friend and a buddy, someone laughs, we laugh at the same joke. We laugh, no, we don't like the same joke. She's some funny stuff. That's the women can eat some funny stuff and call it good. Try it, try it, try it. So we never there. And we all go different with the nails like this. When they come at your face when you're driving, and they look over and they see a bump on your face. And they're on the interstate doing 80 miles an hour, and they decide they want to pop the heart on the face. Get off of me. They're all those magical things that you can't explain. Life, brothers. The moment you're in the house, you need her. You can't find her. Yeah. Like, right now, I need her. Like, hold something. The water's making her spend all the time. Right? Soon I'll figure it out. She's going to say, something. And that was so true at that point that she was on the other end doing something else. And one time, she said, well, look, I was a kid. But one of the kids was almost one of the girls. It's magical, the power of love. It's powerful. All you young people that don't have somebody to love, find someone to love. Find someone to love. How many of us fat? Get rid of them fat. We need each other now more than ever to become one flesh to work together. Oh, yeah. And really, anytime there's an argument, either both of y'all are like, Hope we all wrong. One of y'all is right. The other one is wrong. And it can go on like that. The smartest one says, Guess what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're right. Let's not fight. <laughs> well, don't ever go to bed. Fight. Don't get Don't do it. Solve the argument before you go to bed. You know why he's flirting? Or why you always accuse him of flirting? Because he's a flirt. <laughs> you know why? Y'all want to stand up? You know why we made a flirt? Because you women have entered us into the order of dogs. You're the first to say, all you men ain't nothing but dogs. You didn't say it so much, now we believe it. 
She's standing there proud of that. That's my grandma. And she's the one who raised me. In Teaneck, New Jersey, not in Brooklyn, clown. And I love that woman. And gave me a certain respect for women until I lost it and started treating women like cats. Like secondary creatures. That's what teaches us, don't you lie? You know it does. And now I feel better. I feel whole again. And Christians got a better concept on life than Muslims by far. By far. They don't know Muslims don't know nothing about life. They whole concept, you don't believe me, that's you. You only feel my doctor, you got to be wrong. The Quran is right, the doctor is wrong. The Quran is right, the Quran is right, the Quran is right, the Quran is right. In the name of Allah. Thank <laughs> you. 
they do not do what looks like on television. They do not shoot rockets like this through the stairs. Not what they do. They stand out like this. But the planet is what? Moving. They lift. They circle until they, they go through the stairs like this. Follow that? That's what they're doing. And that's being done by trust. That's why when you see them take off, they focus this way. And that pushes them up. And when you see them, whenever you see them out there, they are floating with solar panels. They're using the light of the sun to create electric propulsion. You follow that? And they're moving through a thick atmosphere of electric magnetic forces. They're sucking them through. And that's why they have so many problems. Because electricity is
realize that she had given birth to God. That's why she said, this is Joseph's son. And that's why she doubted Jesus for many days. And one time Jesus was healing people, and Mary walked by, and the disciples said, Behold thy mother, and thy brother. And Jesus looked up on the mountain, married his mother, and said, My mother and brother both believe that I believe. He denied her part because she was like Jesus. He's taking it a step too far with this you are God stuff. Those Sanhedrin and Pharisees are going to kill you, son, and I love you. You understand? You get cut, you get affected because he did not want to see her son die. That no other mother, that's why she would hate the days of the cross. When well, you look down the floor, what did Jesus come and Mary, Jesus' wife, Mary Magdalene, who bore him three children, they left. Jesus had kids. Jesus married Mary Magdalene. The one the wedding in Canaan was Jesus' wedding. I got a whole book on it. Proving that that was his wedding. Ask yourself, why was Jesus and his disciples invited to a wedding of people who they didn't mention about it? And ask yourself, why did the servants go to Mary and say there's no wine? What does Mary have to do with someone else's wedding? And ask yourself, why would Jesus make the wine? And then ask yourself, after Jesus makes the wine, why did the man say he saved the best wine of his wedding for that one? If it wasn't Jesus' wedding. Why would Jesus spend the night in Mary Magdalene's house? When he's in a house and Martha was mad because Martha was fixing the food and Mary Magdalene was sitting at Jesus' feet in the living room. Lazarus is just and she said, at least help me prepare your man's food. <laughs> it's in your Bible. Why was Jesus on his way home? Right? On his way home when Lazarus was supposed to be dead to the area where what, he lived. When he came out of his house and he cursed the fig tree because he had left his disciples and he went and spent the night in Mary Magdalene's house. When he came out of his house and he the fig tree, he cursed his cousin down. Where was he at that night? Now you have to understand Judaic teachings to know certain things. One would be that Jesus would not spend the night in Mary and Magdalene and Martha's house, even as Lazarus' friend. That's against the law for a Hebrew law. For a grown man to spend the house, spend the night in the house of a Hebrew family who's not later. Secondly, how could Mary and Magdalene come to the tomb in the morning? with the intention of washing Jesus' naked, dead body without being able to be exposed to his pilot's heart, which is a Judaic ritual of washing the body with spices and frankincense and then rotting it. How was she going to do that? And when she said to Jesus, have you seen my master in the Bible? It's the word husband. The word that you use for master is the same word as husband, just like when Sarah said, Abraham is my master. You follow that? She came there looking for her husband. And the disciples, the pump, were somewhere off hiding. <laughs> and she's the only one with the courage, a woman, to go to the Sagan. And when she got there, she met two Nestians, Order of Melchizedek, dressed in white robes. And they asked her, who do you teach? She said, my master. And she and they said, Why do you seek for the living amongst the dead? Why are you looking for somebody that's alive here when people die? They say he was put inside of a tomb and they rolled the stone and closed the tomb. Right? Spirits can go through tombs. 
Because they had to have Judas kiss him to recognize. 